All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. The Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell good? and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 121 in full swings, full motion. We are so glad to be here with you guys. As we do every single week, I always want to thank you guys for being here and being a part of what we do here at the Spoken Podcast for as long as we've been doing it, whether you just started with this. Or you've been around with us for the entire ride. We want to thank you for making us a part of your routine, man. We do this each and every week, and we are so glad to have each and every one of you here with us. God damn, is it hot here in Kansas City. How are you guys all living in this right now, man? Because I I have been just trying to make it through this week as bad as it's been. I mean, you guys, Trevor, you're a little bit thinner than me and Eddie. Me and Eddie, like we were talking before the show, we're like, Bacon over here just sizzling on the ground waiting to turn over to the other side. Yeah, this shit's I, yeah I'm pretty sure I lost like 12 pounds just cleaning the house today. I mean, it was ridiculous. I cooked my lunch on the sidewalk, you know, so it's <laughs> it's been a week, man. This week has been rough. It's been that hell no temperature, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, hell you know, like, no. Yeah, it's yeah. – the humidity out here in Kansas is unforgivable. If, anybody didn't listen, if anybody's on the coast right now that's listening to this or in Arizona, like you guys are getting the heat. But you're getting that thin heat, man. You ain't getting that heavy, like, fucking blanket heat. That's what we got out here in Kansas City. So yeah. we're pushing through, guys. We got the energy just enough to give you guys, a, I feel, a very decent show tonight. We got a lot, lot actually, a lot of Chiefs uh, football that we're going to talk about. We got the Eddie Hour coming up. We got the Monday Mailbag. We got to give out some L's. We got a fun-filled, packed show for you guys tonight. So I hope you guys are ready for it. And I want to start right here in Kansas City once again with the Chiefs. I try to start every show with anything. Whenever we got anything to talk about when it comes to the Chiefs, I want to start the show off with that because I know the majority of you are here for that, and that's what we're here to provide to you. Well, in case you have missed it, we had ourselves a rather intriguing week here in Kansas City when it comes to Chiefs football. And for anybody that has followed the Chiefs or followed the legacy of one Andy Reid, everybody knows that there's always a reputation that follows, in Kansas City especially – I've always called it a very small, big city where you have enough big city to feel like you're in the big city, but it also feels like a, like a small town at the same time. It's got that charm to it. And it's, you know, a place that Trevor and I have lived our entire lives. So it's something I'm very familiar with. And we also know that a reputation is very, very easy to lose here in Kansas city. Once you've been outed as something or someone in particular, it's not hard for people to get that out there in word of mouth. And it just, it's just it's one of those cities, man, that it's not hard for that to become a thing for yourself. And Andy Reid has had such a pristine reputation here in Kansas City. Sure, some of us have had our issues with some of his coaching decisions or his loyalty to a fault to Alex Smith and Bob Sutton and people of that nature. But there's one thing that none of us have been able to ever challenge Andy Reid at, and that is his integrity, his moral integrity as a man and as a coach. He's had issues in his fa- in his family, but who the hell hasn't? And that's not so, that's not something that I've ever put on Andy Reid because I don't feel that that is ultimately his responsibility. We can go on that in another time, and we've had we have addressed those things. But what I want to address tonight, in particular, is the challenging of the integrity of Andy Reid from people that have clearly lost their way. 
We understand that the NFL is, is, a, is a very tried and true business. It's stressful. One minute you're in, the next minute you're gone. And I understand that it can be tough for some to let it go. And Le'Veon Bell, unfortunately, has fallen into that category. Now, we've known that Le'Veon Bell has been having his issues ever since 2017 when he decided to sit out the entire 2018 season when he was still a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He wanted to get paid better, and I don't blame the man. You go out there and get your money if you can. Well, that absolutely backfired on, on, on Le'Veon Bell. Even though he ended up making more money in the long run with the, uh, the New York Jets, his career simultaneously dwindled. His talent started to erode. You started to see him getting less and less fewer opportunities. And I'll admit, when I heard that the Chiefs were in the running to get Le'Veon Bell after he was cut by the Jets, I was ecstatic because I knew what he once was. And I felt like the Chiefs could get that out of him, or at least something close to it. And if you can get that and add that to a punch with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill at the peak of their powers, I didn't feel that that was going to be something anybody could actually stop. And we were wrong. As we all know, Le'Veon Bill came here, never learned the offense, never really clicked here in this offense. And if anybody knows anything about Andy Reid as a coach, he hits, he, he sticks with the hot hand. Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Solaire were better players than Le'Veon Bell here in Kansas City. So he stuck with them, stuck with both of them. And then Le'Veon Bell, despite those issues, had an opportunity to play in a Super Bowl. He was active for the Super Bowl, had an opportunity to play in a Super Bowl. And that didn't pan out for Le'Veon Bell. That ended up being something that ended up being a negative for Le'Veon Bell because he didn't end up winning a Super Bowl. So... Hearing the comments that Le'Veon Bell has made, and in case anybody out there has not heard the comments regarding Le'Veon Bell here in Kansas City or his, his thoughts on the legacy of, of Andy Reid as a coach, he made an Instagram comment about how he about how he would never play for Andy Reid again. He'd rather retire. And again, Andy Reid has been an NFL coach at some magnitude now for three decades, and not a single person has spoken ill of Andy Reid as a head coach or as a man. But thanks to Le'Veon Bell, that's completely changed. The guy that th thought sitting out an entire season as a running back in his late 20s would help him in the long run. So maybe we should consider the source here. The Chiefs did Bell a favor, and he's acting as if they wasted his time. I'm guessing that going to Miami and missing the playoffs altogether would have made more sense than suiting up for the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs paid Bell... The Chiefs paid Bell to free skate to his first and only Super Bowl appearance, and this dude is out here burning bridges. And the funniest part about it is the Chiefs fans, ourselves included, we said it on the show how ecstatic we are, how ecstatic we were. We wrapped our arms around Bell, along with the fact that the Chiefs didn't even really need him, as you can clearly see by the lack of production he's had over the last four seasons. There wasn't any bad blood between him and the Chiefs until he drew first. And I'll never comprehend the, the mindset of a player like this who's a fringe player to begin with. A guy who plays a position that is losing its value as the years and the seasons go on. And as far as I'm concerned with Le'Veon Bell, good luck finding any work in the NFL. I know he's sitting here saying that, oh, well, I'm going to work when I'm ready. No, no one's calling. No one's calling you, Le'Veon Bell. And now he is pitching to himself pigeonholed himself into such a corner because not only is Andy Reid such a well-known and well-loved and well-received person in the NFL, half the coaching staffs in this league 
came from the tutelage of Andy Reid himself. You're burning a lot of bridges, buddy. So who in the hell is going to sign this man, knowing good and well he is no longer the Le'Veon Bell of 2014 and 2016, <clears throat> but also the fact that he's out here speaking ill about a man who is loved by all. So for me, I just I have a real problem with this because I feel that we 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 are now embarking in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in an area where we have to defend a man that should not be defended. We sh- we shouldn't be sitting here even talking about this, but this has made headlines and has made absolute waves in Kansas City. And you, I don't know if anybody knows the the term ratioed, but go on Twitter, you'll find out what ratio means real quick because you, all you gotta do is go look up Le'Veon Bell's speaking on Andy Reid, and you will see ratioed. Because there ain't a single soul out there that's defending this man and what he's saying about Andy Reid. And I get this is where I'll take it away, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I'm not going to defend Le'Veon Bell here, but I now understand full and good well where he's coming from. He thought he was going to come to Kansas City because it's funny. He's he's out here passively aggressively now that he's getting destroyed about this. He's saying, Well, I'm not going to tell people what, what he said. Hmm. He, he's this Le'Veon Bell has become the guy or the person that we know on Facebook that goes out there and says something real vague on Facebook, and the moment somebody finally bites and says, Dude, what's going on? Girl, what's going on? They'll respond with, I don't want to talk about it. It's just too hard to explain. That is the single most irritating person on the planet. The person that wants attention and wants validation, but won't give you the specifics of why they're seeking it out so badly. They, they just know, want because they know it's not even a big deal. Yes, they just want yeah. your pity. They just want right. you to feel bad for them. And that's what Le'Veon Bill wants because he thought he was going to come here to Kansas City and flourish. He thought he was going to come out here and kick ass and do great things and produce. And I, I I love that because that's what I wanted out of him too. And I think the Chiefs wanted that as well. They were excited to have him because just the previous offseason, him and Chris Jones were out there training in Miami, mm-hmm. and Le'Veon was pumped saying, what if I came to Kansas City though? What if I Because he wanted to be here, mm-hmm. and we wanted him here. But that didn't work out because he didn't get he didn't get the offense for whatever reason. It didn't happen. It didn't work out for Le'Veon. And then to top it off, he loses in frustrating fashion in the Super Bowl. If he would have got a ring, right. Le'Veon Bell's not talking shit. Yep. He's he's saying, Oh, I was so blessed to be with Andy Reid. I was so glad to play with the Chiefs. It was it was the greatest experience of my life. And even he had to acknowledge that the locker room was the tightest locker room he's ever been a part of. Right. So even in all the negativity, this motherfucker is out here actually praising the Chiefs and giving them the credit they deserve. So it really just comes down to the fact that he didn't get what he wanted in any regard, and now he's the bitter ex, the scorned ex, that's all pissed off and bitter because he knows that was his last real opportunity to do something great and be something great. And that's where I'll leave it. I wish him nothing but the best still, and like Andy Reid, he killed it with kindness. Salute to Andy Reid for what he did in this by simply stating, I loved it. I loved our time together, me and Le'Veon Bell. I loved him on the team. I wish him nothing but the best. Nothing controversial, controversial in that. He let Le'Veon Bell be the one that looked like the fool in this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is about it too is there was already a lot of red flags with Le'Veon Bell, and I I'll, I personally will admit this too. I ignored all of them because um, I'm a big fan of his talent. You know who he was. I I loved him when he was in Pittsburgh. I loved his ability to be a possible thousand thousand guy every year. He was such a, a deadly threat in the passing game, along with his ability to find holes and be very elusive with that without being a really fast guy. I loved his style of running. It was very unique. Um, and I loved his work ethic too, because when he came into the league, he was a heavy set guy. He chiseled himself down, got you know, developed a really, really good physique, and was in insane shape. So I respect I respect guys that can change their bodies and and make that decision and go for it. And he did it. And he was a great player for a good handful of years there um, in Pittsburgh. But yeah, I mean, when he when he did the whole sitting out thing, that was a red flag. 
because you know, he obviously I, I mean, we, most of us defended him in some sort because we we tend to be player first you know you know protect yourself get the security but it this all comes back to us ignoring red flags his his his, his he had pretty much zero impact when he came here um, I was expecting him to be in a, a really good rotational piece in the back in the backfield but even when you know Clyde went down he was you know Daryl was farly out farly far more superior as far as production on the field. Um, and that's, that was super unfortunate, man, because this, we're talking about a guy that has hall of fame talent and Le'Veon Bell um, just didn't, you know, and I think this, I just think this comes down to him just being petty and bitter. If you're going to be the, literally the only player I think ever to come out negative like that against uh, even T.O., you know, the, 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 yeah. the most petty guy that would talk shit more than maybe anybody in the NFL history loves Andy Reid to death his favorite coach ever, you know, all these things like the T.O. was like got full support for Andy Reid. And, come on. What could I mean? And I, I've been racking my brain. What could Andy Reid possibly have said to Le'Veon Bell to really hurt this man that bad? I really, we don't need your services. No, what? I think honestly, I really thought about this. I thought about it and I thought about it deeply. I think what it was, if you're asking me and I don't have any ground to stand on in this, this is my opinion. I think he's mad because Andy Reid did tell him, hey, I have all the confidence in the world. We're going to use you. We're mm. going to have. We're going to have you get. You know, produce in this offense. False hopes, maybe. He really no, no. But see, it's not false. The only reason it was false is because it didn't pan out. Right. And like I just told well, you guys, do the work. Though. As we explained earlier, the NFL is one of those make or break type of uh, especially at running sports. back. Especially would, at running you back, would, you would see that as a false. Uh, I guess a, a fake promise. You as a player, if if, uh, if let's say a coach tells you, as like you come here, you're going to be our. You know you're gonna be our guy, but the player has to do the they, work, though. No, I, I get it, yeah. but then you get there and there's like, yeah, we got the other guy already. So how about you just stay he in the back and snaps. then we're, we're gonna we're gonna use you when we need to. Mm. To that point, to that point, you're, I get that. Yeah, and that that's what Andy Reid said. That would be on Andy Reid. But as we remember, and I hope you guys remember this, remember the initial press conference that Le'Veon Bell had with Kansas City Media. The question was asked. And I wish I could credit the person that asked it, but the question was asked about, "Are you okay splitting reps with Clyde?" Because they knew that just the, that last well, offseason. on himself reached out to Clyde and, he and, said, and asked yes. him. He said, is it okay if I come yeah. to Kansas City, basically? You don't want to so, step on toes. So, so, so my point is if Andy was to tell Le'Veon before he signed here that he's going to be the bell cow, yeah, no. he wouldn't be asking Clyde, a rookie running back, if it's cool for him to come to Kansas City. He knew the hierarchy here. He knew that Clyde was going to be the bell cow. He just wanted to produce some passing plays and it, blocking yeah. plays, and that didn't happen on Le'Veon Bell's. That was Le'Veon Bell's fault. Andy Reid gave him the opportunities. The man played more snaps yeah. than Daryl Williams did. Right, yeah. So he, we he can't sit and pretend. He squandered him. He yeah, didn't is, do is shit. If, if he didn't get the opportunities. Right, and think about it, though, too. Like, how, how spoiled rotten do you got to be? You had a free ride, dude, to the, the Super Bowl. Like you could have went anywhere else, but and you would have got more snaps, maybe some more production, slightly whatever. You could have landed on the Bills and, and got knocked out of the playoffs, whatever. But you you got to the Super Bowl. Like you were one of the you were one of the last two teams out of all thirty two teams in the league to be in the last the last remaining game, and you're gonna bitch about that. Like how spoiled rotten at least play can you be? Like that's just that's like the ultimate. I mean, you landed in the best spot outside of being in Tampa Bay, which probably was the ultimate spot because they ended up winning it. But outside of that, you landed. You were one of the last. You were on the one of the last remaining rosters active playing in the NFL in the biggest game of them all. And you're going to complain about it. And you're going to try to call out one of the greatest coaches of all time mm-hmm. that has a spotless record with his players is known as the best players coach in the NFL. 
Like, that, it's a terrible look, man. Like, like you mentioned, I mean, T.O., as great as he yeah. was, was also a very toxic player in the locker room. And even he, a man who Pulled was no never, punches. Yeah, never wanted to, to hold back from bitching about mm. anybody and everybody. Never said a negative word about Andy Reid. Not a single one. So Only high praises. So, yeah, look at the reputations here, guys. Like I said, consider the source. And I'm not even here to demonize Le'Veon because I believe that to I his core, him, he's probably man. a good person. Yeah. And I, I don't think that he really knew what he was saying when he said the things he said. I don't think he understood the repercussions that were going to come with it because now he looks like a guy that no team in this in the in the NFL will touch. And I don't I don't want to be the guy that sits here and says I hope he doesn't get work because that's not where I'm standing. What I'm saying is I, I have a hard time believing he's gonna find work. The only way yeah, I see Le'Veon Bell finding work in the NFL is if a team has a myriad of injuries from their running backs uh, depth. And I'm talking about in the middle of the season where yeah. they're going to give him a tryout, a workout. That's the only way I see Le'Veon Bell getting a job in this league. His days as a, as a number one RB1 mm-hmm. are over. He'll land in a rotation somewhere. So I'm, I, sure, I'm I, sure he'll land in a rotation somewhere. And I can't even imagine just putting myself in the mind of He's a player who was once an elite running back. Mm-hmm. I cannot even imagine and fathom the idea of knowing your days are done. You know, like, he still has enough in his game to be in the NFL, but he knows, he has to know in himself, my days as a premier back are done. And that's got to be hard to accept. And again, when you consider the fact that he didn't didn't pan out here in Kansas City for the production side and he didn't end up winning that Super Bowl, that has to stink. But blaming Andy Reid for that is absolutely baffling, man. There's yeah. so much more context to it especially, than what he alluded to. Especially with the moral morality being on the on the op- opposition side ra- rather than Le- Le'Veon Bell's side because he absolutely fleeced the Jets. Yeah, dude, you went from being stuck in in Jetville, New York, stuck in a hellhole, possibly the worst team at that time was the worst team in the NFL. You land on a a defending championship team that that immediately went right back to the Super Bowl, and you're going to complain. Like, yeah, I know you didn't win in the end, and you didn't get as much field time as you have liked. But dude, are you really going to like? It's just a, such a bad look. On a more on a more positive note, I want to transition to this, guys. On on, on the current structure of the Chiefs, I, I think it's safe to say that the majority of us have high expectations for this Chiefs team, and. As much as I have high expectations of this team, there is the natural anxiety of, you know, there could be a drop-off. You know, you always have that feeling of what if. And honestly, if you look at the history of the NFL, that is something that happens to teams that are in the position that the Chiefs are now currently in, at least from an historic standpoint of how the teams bounce back. We all know the age-old myth, or not myth, but the age-old saying of when a team loses in the Super Bowl, they usually start to crumble the season after the season's following. Mm -hmm. You usually see that progression. And most of the time, it's because of the fact that that team was on its last leg, that was their last real go at it, and therefore, that's the end. you got to blow it up, rebuild, and hope for the best in the next 10 years. But obviously, we know that it's very different here in Kansas City because it does look like the Chiefs are just now getting started when it comes to getting to the Super Bowl and it comes to trying to build a real dynasty here. So what I decided to do this week is to try to dig up some old teams since 1970, which is the modern era of football, teams that had been to back-to-back Super Bowls and lost or won the first one and lost the second one, just like the Chiefs did, and how they fared. And I want to give – the reason I'm doing this is because I want to give the fans out there that have a little bit of concern as the Chiefs continue to try – maybe try to go for a third straight Super Bowl, which would be the first team to do it since I believe the Bills, the Bills. in the 1990s. Uh, maybe maybe the Patriots have done it. I, I could be wrong, but I don't I, think they went to three straight. I don't think they went to three maybe. Straight. I don't know. Maybe they did. I think I feel as if they did in the in the late two thousands or the twenty tens. Maybe I'm wrong. But the fact is, it's it's a very rare uh, uh, opportunity for a team to have is to potentially get to three Super Bowls. And most of us have Super Bowl aspirations for this team going into the twenty twenty one year. 
So I looked it up. There have been five teams in the last 41 years that have done what the Chiefs have just done in the last two years. Win the first Super Bowl, lose the second one. Here are the teams that have done this. The 1980 Cowboys, the 1985 Washington football team, the 1999 Packers, the 2016 Seahawks, and the 2019 Patriots. Only five teams have ever done what the Chiefs have done to this point in the last two years. The 1980 Cowboys went 12-4, and won the NFC East, and lost in the NFC Championship. The 1985 Washington football team went 10-6 and and missed the playoffs by a technicality, but that's a, still a good team. Mm. 1999 Packers went 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs. The 2016 Seahawks went 10-5-1, and won, won the NFC West, and lost in the divisional round. And the 2019 Patriots went 12-4, and four, won the AFC East, along with the Super Bowl. So if you look at these five teams, there's a consistent trend here. All of them except one, the 99 Packers, won at least 10 games. All of them except the 99 Packers, I'm sorry, all of them except the 85 uh, Washington football team and the Packers made the playoffs that following year. And those other three teams won their division and got to at least the second round of the playoffs. Now, you can sit here and say, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with this current Chiefs team. But here, here's what I'm trying to bring up is the fact that in order for you to be a dynasty, you have to consistently be competitive. You can't be the team that drops off dramatically and then tries to rebuild. Luckily for the Chiefs, they are in prime position to do so, unlike even these teams of the of the, of the of the yesteryear. Because if you look at that Patriots team in 2019, let's, let's all be real here. That 2019 Patriots team wasn't great. The no. Chiefs should have beat them really in the AFC defense. Championship. Yes, they had an aging offense. Mm-hmm. They really didn't have a lot of talent on that offense. They had a broke-down Gronkowski, yeah, a 42-year-old uh, Tom Brady, yes, and a, and a broke-down Julian Edelman. Yes, though. he had a decent year, yeah. but the fact is he's not a wide receiver one. He sure shit ain't a Hall of Fame Jim wide receiver. White. Yeah, so my point is, is the Chiefs of all these teams in this mix mm. have the best opportunity to succeed. Mm. And the best part about it is, even if that's not the case and the Chiefs are just right in there with them, the fact is we've seen five teams do it before. Yeah, it, so the averages are actually there for the Chiefs. Yeah. They, we've seen this happen before, and with the Chiefs having the nucleus still very much in place, having such a solid draft that we can talk about later tonight, mm-hmm. having such a solid draft to add to it, going in into Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney and shoring up that left side of the offensive right. line, that only gives you that much more confidence that the Chiefs can be one of those teams. If not... Better than those teams. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say how many like what separates this Chiefs team heading into this season compared to all those other teams is I we I think we all might agree here that this since Patrick Mahomes has been here, this is we're looking at this this roster and this team moving forward in this season as the best Chiefs team he's had so far. And that's that's what separates. I think, that's what I said. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think separates this Chiefs team because I don't think any of those other teams going into that next season following that Super Bowl appearance or a loss. It was thinking, oh, we're, we got even better, bro. We're ready to make this third trip to the Super Bowl. You know, we're ready to make this run. Our division, we already have our division locked down. Yeah. Like, we're fairly confident that this division has no chance to beating us. This division is ours to lose, without a doubt, right? And we, we, we think the AFC is ours to lose. Yes. Right, so we're more confident than ever with this Chiefs team, with this revamped offensive line and these, our offensive weapons being in their prime still. Like, that's what separates us from – you know, even that that 2019 Patriots team, it was a good team overall, but it wasn't like an electrifying, exciting team, hands down, arguably the best team in the NFL still at that time. I mean, I know they're coming off an appearance in the Super Bowl, but people were expecting them to regress. 
people are expecting this Chiefs team to get better this year. Yeah. That's the difference, man, in my well, mind. And also, the key cog in all this that I don't feel a lot of people have really paid enough attention to, obviously everybody knows Patrick Mahomes is motivated mm-hmm. and he's ready to go and all that stuff. We all know that. Think about this, man. After the 2018 season, going into the 2019 season, Patrick Mahomes was pissed off because of the way that 2018 season ended, right? The yeah. overtime loss in the AFC Championship. Yeah. What did the Chiefs do in the 2019 season? They won the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Patrick Mahomes has been nothing D4. short of pissed off and infuriated this offseason. Oh, yeah. And with what Trevor just brought up about having the best roster and all these other things, motivating factors, along with a pissed off Patrick Mahomes, because yeah. that 2019 team was awesome. But they had injury concerns, injury problems, a lot of a lot of bad games against the, the Colts, COVID the Texans. Seasons. Yeah, there was a lot of even yeah. Patrick Mahomes himself was suffering injuries. Yeah. That didn't stop this team. That team was still resilient. They went and won because the culture was different on the defensive mm-hmm. side. We all know this. Yeah, which is why Tyron Matthew is so extremely valuable to this franchise. Now you have all of that coming back this time around. There's a pattern here. I'm not sitting here saying that losing in the Super Bowl was the right thing or the good, a good thing to happen. It's not. They lost the Super Bowl. Mm. That sucks. And I would like to believe that Patrick Mahomes is going to be equally as motivated, but there's something about these inevitable superstars when they're pissed off. There's something about that. We saw it in Michael Jordan. We saw it in LeBron James in that game six against the Celtics. We've seen all these all-time – and, yes, I'm putting Patrick Mahomes up there with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. He's up there with them. He's in the upper echelon of superstar talents. When those guys – have that kind of chip on their shoulder, you are fucked. And the chip on Straight Patrick, and the chip on Patrick Mahomes' shoulder is extremely unique in the sense that he has never once given any of us as fans the thought or the idea that he's here just to get paid. We've seen many, many quarterbacks come in and phase out and have really good starts to their career and fizzle out once they get paid. Patrick Mahomes has made it very clear from the jump he wants to be the greatest of all time. He wants to be the greatest quarterback to ever play in this league, and that's his motivation. He wants to go collect rings, man. That's what he. That's his whole entire motivation. And obviously, he got paid, and he has. A, he has a very unique structured contract that is long term and set up. You the know, signing bonus right. can be moved over, which, which, yeah. which was done purposely yep. so he knows he can continue to have good rosters. And that's and a reflection teams. of the Chiefs trying to give him everything in his power right. to be said great quarterback because they know is is it's a reflection on them. If he's this great. We're going to be That's this why great. Our, situ- our situation is so unique, maybe more unique than any other situation in NFL history. Because the Patriots, the greatest dynasty in sports history, yeah. there was such a rigidness between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick that you knew eventually that was going to end sour. I have a hard time believing, and even though I built that scenario, was it last week or the week before, about if this exact same scenario happened in Green Bay, that we would be happy here in Kansas but, City, how would we feel? But if that the beautiful thing, we don't feel like that's ever going to take place. Even with those great dynasties in, 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 in New England. If we're all being honest right now, those, those a lot of the dynasty runs was built on coaching and defense. And no, not, that's not a shot to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is not the elite levels. Oh, you know I agree. Patrick Mahomes is. You know just, I agree. He's just not. The talent is different. Granted, Pat, uh, Tom Brady made some great plays on the stretch in big games, and big moments. But he's also he's also failed in big moments too. But we all, if we're going to argue about the talent here, this this team, this, this Chiefs team has been built since he's been here. On the arm and the overall talent that is Patrick Mahomes, and we're just—they did not draft Tom Brady to be some talent to come into it and change the the, the, the culture of the, of the New England Patriots. That was never the case. He landed in a great spot. It was built on great coaching already. It was solidified and good defensive players that were already solidified to go on a run. That's that's what separates this Chiefs team. It's built on the pure talent of our quarterback, and then whatever we add upon that is just extra. And we're just a little over eighty days from Week One being here. Yeah, man, cannot wait. wait, man. We're on fire, man. This show's on fire. It's about as hot in here as it is outside, man. So stay tuned. We got a lot more show to go, guys. 
Because next up, we got our guy, the Eddie Hour. The Eddie Hour is coming up. I cannot wait to see what he's probably going to get even more heated right now. I'm already sweating. We'll get back to all that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Speaking of Eddie, as he wipes the sweat from his brow, just like the rest of us do, I mean, we should be wearing headbands right now at this point, man. It's yeah, getting that bad. Spoken headbands. We need to get a sponsorship with Gatorade or some shit, man, because we dehydrated. It is time for the Eddie Hour, like we do each and every week, man. We give our guy, Eddie, the time of day. Eddie. What is going on in the Eddie Hour this week, my man? Uh, nothing much. Only just going to have one question for you guys. That's it? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> I was like, God, this dude's been slacking on us. I guess the heat really got to you too, man. Zap me as well. It's like, well, I guess there's no more Eddie Hour. <laughs> <laughs> no. This will be the last edition. <laughs> uh, UFC 263 reactions. Uh, the, the overall takeaway, I was I was pleased with the card overall. Um I love UFC. I love MMA. So I'm always going to naturally take the optimistic approach when I when I reflect upon a card because I felt like it did live up to the hype for the most part. The only thing that was really shitty about the card was the main event. And I know that sounds like I'm really downplaying a legitimate problem because that, that fight sucked. Uh, Israel Adesanya versus Vittori. Uh, it, it, it was not fun. Yeah. Um, I actually went back and watched the highlights of that fight again. Israel Adesanya was very methodical, but he was winning that fight with pretty relative ease. Vittori did bring the energy. I will give it because I know Trevor. He was the felt, attacker the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he was the attacker, but he wasn't very efficient. Yeah. Uh, he did take Israel Adesanya down four times to Israel's zero. So that was a, an advantage for him. But significant strikes. His leg I mean, Israel essentially doubled Vittori up in significant strikes. So he put on a clinic. It just, it was one of the, and this is. I know Trevor's going to hate hearing this. This was one of the biggest reasons why I hated George St. Pierre as a fighter. Not that he wasn't great. It's a lot like James Harden. Like, I hate James Harden's game, but is he great? Yes. I just hate the style. G- GSP was so fucking boring, but he was great. At least he, he was, was the attacker. He would take okay. people down. My point, though, is that what he would do is he would lay on people, whereas Israel would just lay up. He was essentially just laying up against Jiu-jitsu. the fence. He was laying up against the fence and just letting Vittori come at him. He wasn't doing shit, and he was just scoring a punch here and there. So overall, I was pleased with it because seeing my boy Nate Diaz out there fighting, Leon Edwards was absolutely amazing in that fight. We had our guy Blake Sneeders on here last week, our UFC uh, correspondent from uh, B Cut uh, uh, podcast on YouTube. Definitely give him a follow, guys. That was a great segment, by the way, last yeah. week. Yeah, uh, right. He was he was saying that as well about this was a prove it fight for Leon Edwards, and that's what he did. But the, what took the cake? Almost lost it though. What, what what took the cake for this this entire card? Yeah. And it needs Brandon. all the recognition is Brandon Moreno. Yep. The first Mexican champion in the history of the UFC. Mexican-born, I should say, because Cain Velasquez was technically Mexican. He's Mexican-American. Yeah. He won a title at the heavyweight. He's a gringo. But, but Brandon Moreno, dude, for him to go out there 
and beat Figueredo like that, a guy that was a proven champion, a friend of Moreno's, a guy that knew them. They just fought like 21 days before that. I think it was legitimately like 21 days before that fight. To see them do that and for Moreno to go and choke out Figueredo like that was nothing short. I love history, so whenever I get to see historic moments like that, I celebrate it. To see a, the first Mexican-born fighter to win a UFC title was nothing short of incredible. So overall, I, I'm going to give that uh, that UFC card a stamp of approval. I just hope the main event next time with McGregor and Poirier lives up to it better than that one did. Yeah, I mean, Figueredo was 21-1 and one yes. record-wise going into that fight. Brandon Moreno was definitely the underdog in this fight and showed nothing but heart and accomplished the upset. So kudos to him, kudos to, to Mexico. You know, and, that, and he was fighting for not only himself, his family, his pride, but it, the pride of a country. Yeah. So that was super impressive. And he was an emotional guy. It was great to see. Um, yeah. So kudos for him, man. That was just a good story, but definitely stole the story of the night. Um, far that fight far outshined the, any of the other fights for being honest. Um, I know I didn't, I didn't get to see the Nate Diaz fight, which is the one I wanted to see the most, which I heard was a great fight. I didn't really get to see it at all. Um, just the highlights, but I mean, I'm a massive Diaz brothers fan, so they always bring it. I, I was mad that he lost. I mean, I, I, you would have made some money if you bet on him to win, and he actually pulled that off. But I mean, Leon he Edwards, stuck Leon at the end, man. Yeah, he almost he got him. If, if they would have had another 15 seconds, probably he could have he could have knocked his ass out. Um, but you know, Nate Diaz doesn't always. He likes to he likes to get people stutter stepping and and and, 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 and phase him and then point at him. That's he was trying his thing. to bait him, but Leon yeah. wouldn't take it. Yeah, so, Leon wouldn't take it. Yeah, kudos, I mean, kudos to, to Leon Edwards. He's a hell of a fighter too, and he's still up and coming guy. I mean, he's nineteen and three at this point in his yep. career. Still, has a, he's still a young cat man. Still has a lot to to develop into, and he can become something. And you know, can, and, and we've seen the UFC young guys can just they continually to pro- progress and progress and get better. Some guys falter and you know fall off and become jobbers at certain points. Um, but like guys like Elijah Faber and all those guys that they were they were projected to be really great and then they Uriah ended up, Faber, yeah, yeah, or yeah, Uriah yeah, Faber. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. So like the guys like that, they could become jobbers and just go out there to pretty much get paid to lose. Um, but yeah, man. So good fight by Diaz. You know, he never stops. Those guys never quit. They're always entertaining to watch. Um, bloody messes every single time. It's not a Diaz fight if there's not blood everywhere. Supposedly, Damian Maya asked Nate if he'd fight him. Because Damian Maya was in this card you know as well. He will. You know, D- Damian Maya is on his way out. He's forty-three. Yeah, and Nate's probably closer to his way out as well. He's yeah, thirty-six. You can barely get words out of his mouth yeah. nowadays, man. Um, CBD. Um, <laughs> Damian Damian Maya did ask him on Instagram because they have a lot of respect for each other. If he would take the, I guarantee Nate will take it. And I guarantee Dana White will sign up for that. Yeah, I, I, shit. I, you know, I'll be watching it. Yeah. Anytime Nate, Nate, Nate will win, there, Nate will win that fight. Nate for sure. Win that yeah, fight. yeah. My money would be on Nate for sure. Um, but yeah, as far as the Izzy Vittori fight, I watched that one. It, obviously, we all agree it was a shitty fight. It was it, it was pretty much Izzy dancing around, pulling the best May, Mayweather impersonation he could. Um, granted, he was landing the kicks, chopping the chop, chopping the legs down. Outside of that, he was really doing nothing else. I guess those were his significant strikes. That's why the numbers were so lopsided. But in my mind, if you actually watched the fight, it wasn't that obvious. The significant strikes in my mind weren't nearly as significant as the numbers were showing and portraying. I felt like Vittori was the better fighter. I felt like he was aggressing. I felt like... He was the one landing, landing in my mind, landing more strikes to the face and the head, which to me are more significant strikes than, than chopping the legs down in my mind. Um, and he was getting inside uh, uh, with with Izzy, which is not easy to do. He was getting inside and taking Izzy down. He took Izzy down four times. That, that's hyper impressive in my mind. So I was very impressed with Vittori more than I was Izzy, and I'm a big Izzy's. Outside of John Jones, he's growing to be one of my favorite fighters to watch. And that was, this was just shit. It was terrible. It was not fun to watch at all. Mm. Very unimpressed for a main event. Like, if you, if you know you're the main main event of the card and you're defending your title, at least give us something. 
you know, give us, give, you know, give, give me a good straight kick to the chin, you know, at least attempt something. He wasn't even attempting good elbows or anything, uh, you know, exciting. It was, for Izzy, it was definitely a big letdown, especially coming off of his last fight where he moved up and he got his ass beat. You'd think he'd want to kind of re- reestablish his dominance as one of the most creative and, and sporadic, unpredictable fighters out there. It was just, there was nothing. He showed us nothing. He defended the title and he, you know, he, he retained it and still got it. So good for him. I love the guy, but I'm hoping the next fight he brings more. All right, uh, let's go into the NBA. So I'm sure you guys saw the, the breaking news this morning uh, with uh, Campbell Walker going to OKC. Uh, Want to get your thoughts on that? Uh, just just the thought of him going to OKC is really cool because I think that the OKC has a ton of options with this one. It first of all, it was a salary dump for the Boston Celtics. They're trying to get rid of salary because I think they're going to try to make a big push and make a big trade this offseason, maybe for a Damian Lillard or a guy like that. Steph Curry. Um, yes, yeah, they're going to try to they're going to be aggressive this offseason. They're really going to try to give Jason Tatum because Jalen Brown's a good player, but Jalen Brown's like a Chris Middleton. You want him to be your third best player, so I think they're going to try to go get Jason Tatum that neck that guy. If not, they're if not, go get an alpha and make Jason Tatum your second round. Shit, second, according to which Kendrick, would be Kendrick, Perkins, uh, Kendrick Perkins says that Chris Middleton's the, the Batman of the book. So. Oh, calm down. Okay. So anyway, keep Perk out, balling, out of your mouth on this one. because <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Carry the hell on. So uh, to the naked eye, like I said, this is this is good for both sides because Boston gets to get rid of that salary. They didn't really want to keep Kemba any longer than they already had to. Brad Stevens moved off of him. He knew, you knew he was going to do that because mm-hmm. Kemba didn't like the idea of being trade or that he was in trade rumors during la- this last season. So that pissed him he off. He wasn't meshing well with the Celtics. He, he just he didn't belong there. Yeah. And so um, I like him in OKC with those that young nucleus. So if they stick it out and let Kemba play there, I think that'd be a decent team. It won't be a playoff team probably, or at least a fringe playoff team. But it'll be fun to watch. They'll try to you know recreate what they had with CP3. But I think overall, what's going to happen is the OKC is going to flip Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. I think that you're going to see probably the Knicks or a team like that be interested in trading for Kemba because the Celtics wouldn't be able to pull off a trade with the Knicks. It's just that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think what they did is they knew that the Thunder with these the tons of picks and trying to build from within, they're going to utilize Kemba as a trade a trade piece, a trade chip. And utilize him the highest bidder. I think that's what's going to ultimately happen. Don't be, may, don't be surprised if the Clippers try to go after him too. Sure, that's it may not. Fit. It may not happen like during this off season, but it wouldn't shock me at all if you see OKC. You know, first twenty games into the year, you see a contender getting really aggressive for a point guard. Yeah, Kemba is that ultimate guy. So I, I definitely think that's what's going to end up happening. So for both teams, this is a great thing, and I think it's a great move for the NBA as a whole because now you get this guy who really wants to prove himself and get an opportunity to contend for the first time in his career. Yeah, you're going to see him maybe get on a contender or more than likely on a contender and i'm really excited for that and i think it's great for boston as well because they're really gonna i think get aggressive this offseason and get themselves a big name yeah i 100 agree with the flipping of, of kemba i don't think that's where kemba is i mean I, kemba wants to compete for a championship right he's getting he's becoming a veteran in this league he wants to compete and he wants to have a, an opportunity to be on a contender and i thought that the Celtics were a true contender and they just didn't mesh and they i mean granted they, they had lost you know some guys to injury, they weren't able to be, you know, as potent as they thought they would be. And then the Nets happened also, you know, no one expected that much talent to be stockpiled on the East either. Um, and then also, you know, you got the, the rise of the Hawks that are been out, you know, playing the the critics and, and obviously Philly's there too. So the East is pretty stacked, man. The East has been tough. Uh, so the Celtics just have not been able to put it together. I mean, I don't, they've been to a couple Eastern Conference finals. And they ran into LeBron, the LeBron bus, all that was 2018. <laughs> Three out of um, the four yeah. Eastern Conference Finals, man. Three out of four. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. They've, they've gotten there, but they just they just don't have enough to get it. And I fully believe in Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum will have a championship or two. 
uh, in the end of his career, maybe more. I think he's the truth. Um, he's a truly a true centerpiece you can build a team around. Uh, one of the few in this league. So I fully believe that they can they can build upon him. Uh, but I just didn't think Kimba was a good fit there. I initially thought it would be a good fit after the the Kyrie Irving debacle. Um, but they just need to completely dive into Jason Tatum and, and build around him and let him be the ultimate you know ball handler. I thought it was really cool. Also, the part that people overlooked a little bit was the fact that Al Horford gets to reunite with Boston. That's yeah, long time sure. player for the Celtics, player. a big fan favorite. People yeah. love him out there. He's still got a lot to his game. He's older now. I think he's thirty three. But still he's still a good got, yeah, he's still a solid player, really good defender, mm-hmm. good rim protector, good rebounder, uh, good passer. Like he's a positive guy, and I think the Celtics are gladly welcome. And Moses is coming there. Yeah, that's a good he's young split in the green that's sea, a baby, good young you know player. I mean? yeah. yeah, I think the Celtics so. are Celtics are still one piece away, maybe another two guard away, because they have two really good wing players. Obviously, so I mean they're two. They're I think they're another good like wing or a good two two guard away from being a really really. I know they they want to replace that point guard position, but I don't know if they need a true point guard. I think Jason Tatum can run that and run the point and be that, that primary ball co- controller in my mind. I think that's what they're going to do. Um, and we'll see what they do for coaching too. Cause Brad Stevens being out of the, out of the mix at head coach. Now that's going to be, there's going to be some, some movement there, but as far as OKC, yeah, I see them flipping Kemba. It only makes sense for them. They're trying to build for their future and Kemba's not going to be in the plans. He's become a, he's kind of becoming a journeyman at this point, but I, I wouldn't, I would not be surprised. Like I said, the Clippers go after Kemba. I think that'd be a great fit for him. Um, because they they're stuck with uh, um, um, uh, Rondo and uh, what's another Reggie Jackson. So I mean Reggie Jackson's probably gone next year. So they'll they'll need another scoring point guard to to run that position. So I think Kemba would be a great fill in position player for that spot. So yeah, I mean I mean it's not like a big blockbuster trade to be honest. But I mean it's the Celtics I think got better with Horford reuniting there and then bringing a young player like Moses over there. I think. I think they're doing the right thing in Celtics land. They got to, I mean, they got a stack pile of talent. I mean, that East is not, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy breezy. There's a lot of talent in the East right now. So they got to, they got to do what they got to do to get over that hump and get to a final. So it's a good move. It's a good move. It's a win-win for both sides of my mind. All right. Uh, next question. So LeBron made it well known uh, that starting the season uh, when they did has led to multiple all-stars getting hurt during the playoffs. I want to get your thoughts on that. I, you know what, man? Let me say, let me say two things about this. One, I'm never going to be somebody that tells LeBron he's wrong when it comes to nutrition, health, taking care of your body, all that stuff. Because we know this dude infamously spends over a million dollars a year on his body. So I, I understand he he is very well informed on these things. I 100% though disagree with 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 LeBron James on this yeah. one. Um, the biggest reason is because of the fact that the injuries he is referencing aren't injuries that have anything to do or very little to do with the lack of rest. Now, I will say this. I think think LeBron has justification to address it in a way maybe a little bit differently than he did if he was singling out AD's injury. I was going to say, that sounds more like a Lakers problem. Yeah, because they only had 70 days off, and that's not enough. Look at the heat. Look at having the heat. Yeah, you're talking to me. Yeah, exactly. The two teams in the finals last year were obliterated and decimated in the first round, okay? Injuries. Those injuries you can make a little – so I think that LeBron's attaching a little bit of his own personal experience and put it, painting a broad, with a broad brush. Yeah. Kawhi's injury was a freak accident. CP3 shoulder injury, freak accident. Uh, you go to the Donovan Mitchell's Kawhi. ankle, freak accident. That's just it. There's like, oh, yeah, yeah. These Kyrie's rolling Yeah, Kyrie, those are Jamal all Murray, injuries. Yes, those are all injuries yeah. that occur every single season in every single game of right. every single – Instance like yeah. these things happen all the time. Yeah, so rolling your ankle is in a fatigue issue. I, I understand <laughs> that LeBron might be trying to go with this, but I think it was very 
poorly executed. I know he was trying to make a statement. He's probably trying to stand up for his his fellow man as well. But I don't. I can't get down with what he said, and I disagree with it. I yeah. think it was probably best that he didn't say it because it didn't really help anything. It just kind of raised eyebrows over like. What, what are you talking about? These injuries yeah. were sustained in just freak instances, and it's natural occurrences. I, yeah. LeBron, LeBron is becoming the old man in this league now, man. Yes. And it's funny. He just he's it's it's he's becoming the get off my lawn kind of guy. It's kind of fun. <laughs> like it's kind of like he's out here just he's out here just giving kids the finger now. You know what I mean? Like he's that old man that can give kids the finger because he's the old man now. Yeah. He can say whatever the fuck he wants. It doesn't matter. He still needs to be. No, needs, no, no. Yeah, he needs to be held accountable though. He's still, I mean, he's still looked yeah. at as the, you know, the example of the league. Yeah. He still is the face of the league, you know? So I, you know, if Steph Curry came out and said the same thing, we'd all be criticizing his, him as well, just as much, you know, and KD probably more than any of them because KD's a nutcase. But, um, yeah, I mean, I disagree with this as well. It, it's 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 trying to broad brush too much, cover too much context when the context is different in each scenario. We, and honestly, a lot of these injuries are repeat offenders. Guys like Kawhi, who's, who gets banged up often, has had bad knees his entire career back in college. Embiid has had nothing but injury riddles since high school, or since his early collegiate career. He's had nothing. But, so him being banged up isn't nothing surprising either. But like I said, Kyrie, you know, rolling his ankle on someone's foot is not a fatigue issue. You know, that had nothing to do with fatigue. It's just a freak thing. Kawhi getting bumped and tweaking his knee. It is what it is. He's got bad genetics with his knees. He's had arthritic knees and messed up knees since we can remember. So this is just, yeah, I disagree with it. I get it. He's trying to stick up for it. And he didn't like that, you know. It definitely feels more personal to him with the Lakers situation and the Heat situation that they had just because they played so much later into the season. They went a full series in the finals, you know, a hard-fought series, and immediately, you know, within a couple months had to start the next season. Yeah. So that – it is more personal for him and AD, obviously, and it affected them far more than anybody, any other teams, any other players in the league, uh, them in the Heat. So, yeah, it, it definitely felt like he was speaking for the league as a whole, and it really was more of a personal issue for him and the Lakers. So that's what it felt like. But he, she should have just clarified that. Really, he shouldn't have said anything about it in my, in my mind. But I'm like you said, I'm not going to be the guy that tells LeBron to keep his mouth shut because at this point, LeBron, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> at this point, he's got he's had his right of passage. You know, Eddie's a long just been waiting for that shit. So yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll gladly say it for good. But, but I mean, at the same time, LeBron's always been a guy that's self-critical too, and will will, will rescind things he said that he was he would correct himself on too. So I mean, this one he might not do that, but at the same time, everyone's open for criticism when you're when you're a public figure. So yeah, I disagree with that statement for sure. All right. Uh, next question. I want to get your thoughts on RG3, uh, either uh, setting to retire this season and becoming a broadcaster. We know that Fox and ESPN are fighting to sign him because apparently he uh, aced his interview for both. Mm. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, fuck. If Booger McFarlane and Jason Witten can make it at a top level on Monday Night Football, <laughs> then I think RG3 is in really in a really good place. Uh, yes, R- RG3 is a very articulate guy. Well man. He, he speaks. Smart. Yes. Yeah. Very, very spent. Baylor's no pushover school, man. you got to be a smart dude to go to Baylor. Yeah. Now, um, it's going to really, to me, it's just going to really come down to what RG3 wants. Is he done with his career? I think he's only 31 years old. He's still a solid backup. Yeah, he's a he solid backup. played well when he filled in for RJ. For but being the number Robert two Griffin. overall pick in the 2012 draft, if I'm not mistaken, behind Andrew Luck, yeah. if he's at a place mentally where he's like, look, I, I have done my you know bidding here in, in the NFL as a yeah. player. I can transition to make some money and have fun commentating on games. Because then he do it. Much safer. Money. Yes, then yeah. do it. Then do it. Because if, if, if you have the two biggest networks you know bidding for you, then you're clearly a valued commodity, and and, and I'm not going to tell a man what to do because, like yeah. I said, I, I my golden rule is if you feel good enough and teams want you, go play. Yeah. 
But if he's at that place now where he's transitioning his mentality and his mindset to where I want to just talk about the game as opposed to you know being a clipboard holder, yeah. then do it. Or you could be Chase Daniel and just make say, a crap ton of money gets as that a backup situation. that never sees the field unless yeah. there's another COVID strike. So I, I think this would be awesome for RG3. I think he's one of those guys that could end up having a 20, 30-year career because I, I really do think the guy would do well and honestly better as a commentator than a player at the NFL level. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it's a it's a no-brainer for me for him to go that route because, I mean, you're, you're getting out of the most vicious game possible – you know, you're, you're not, I mean, if you do get playing time, you're putting your body at risk further. You're not, you're not getting any younger. You've already had a significant injury in your career. You've already had multiple injuries outside of the one significant injury. So uh, knowing his luck that he's had since being an athlete in the NFL, it just hasn't been very good for him. It's, granted, he, he has been a, f- a fairly good backup uh, since he's been a backup. But at the same time, I think he's, I think he's an intellectual. I think he's a well-spoken intellectual. I think he knows the game very well. Um, and I think he, he would be far more, um, needed. I think it would just be good to have, a, a, for being honest, like another younger African American man coming in here and kind of being that that you know uh, Tony Romo kind of African American version of Tony Romo, where you can go yep. there and kind of call him plays. Yeah, he's that quarterback. He has that IQ, smart guy, well spoken, will deliver the you know his words really well and, and articulate things very very well when he's talking. He's talking. I don't know if he's going to be calling games or if he's just going to be an analyst. I don't know what exactly he's going to be doing. Calling games would be great. I would love to hear him call games. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I think I think for him being a family man that he is, um, you know, has put his body in danger, has been through a lot of injuries already in his career. I think if I'm not making the decision for him, but I think if I was him, I think it's a no brainer that I would let ESPN and Fox fight over me. You know, what I mean, who's going to date? Who's going to date me? Who's going to be in a relationship with me? Let whoever pay me the most money. Go get the bag, dude, and, and and just talk about sports instead of have to be out there going through the grueling camps and going through, you know, possibly being thrown into a situation where your starting quarterback that you're backing up gets hurt and you get to get thrown into a game and you get hurt. You know, avoiding that entire process, maybe not making as much money, but not, not too far off as a backup. It's not that great money being a backup unless you said like Chase Daniel situation. He's been paid like a damn starter most of his career and he's barely played any snaps. So it's not everybody gets that kind of situation that works out for them in, that fa- in their favor like that. So – I'm rooting for him to go, you know, become an analyst or calling games or whatever he does broadcasting. Um, I would love to see his face on TV calling games. It'd be fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for him to make that choice. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think him, being, like I said, being the family man, you know, taking the the, the lesser of the two, the lesser of the, you know, grueling. It's an easy decision in his mind physically. So I think him going that route just makes too much sense. So I'm rooting for him to do that. All right. Two more quick questions for you guys. Uh First, uh, thoughts on the new Madden cover, and is the curse real? I, I I really thought it was I thought it was sweet of Madden to include Tom Brady into the equation. That was really nice of them to do so because I mean I guess it makes sense you know that he would you know ride the coattails of someone else to success. You know that's kind of been his mo in his career. So I thought it was really cool they allowed him to be a part of that. Um, I thought it was really cool that they because when I heard that they were going to put two goats on there, I thought they were going to clone Patrick Mahomes and just have him on there twice. But they kind of fooled me on that because if they're going to talk about two goats, they should have just had Adam Vinatieri next to Patrick Mahomes on that one, seeing that he's the one that you know really carried that dynasty with the Patriots. But yeah, overall, like I thought it was pretty cool. The concept was kind of lazy. Uh, I talked to my buddy, my buddy who's a graphic designer. He was super pissed about the design they put out there, the final you know draw because the last time we had two. Uh, athletes on the Madden cover, it looked way better. It was with Troy Palomalo and Larry Fitzgerald back in 2010. Yeah. That looked way better. It was really cool. They put the color schemes and stuff together, meshed it. This one was a little bit lazier. I don't really hate it, but I didn't really love it. But overall, it's I think it's great that Patrick Holmes now is one of three people to be on the Madden cover more than once. 
Yeah. It's him, Tom Brady, Already. and John Madden, who who's, is who's the game's literally called Who's Madden. to say Pat won't be on there again? Well, and, and the fact is that Patrick Mahomes hasn't even been in the league five years yeah. yet, and he's already been on the Madden cover twice. Right. So that should tell you where people are expecting pa- Patrick Mahomes to be in the upper echelon, which he already is. So, um, yeah, I thought it was overall pretty cool, man, to see him back on there, and yeah. I don't expect him to not be on there anytime soon because I expect Patrick Mahomes to be on the Madden cover many more times. I'll be 100% honest, man. I loved it. Uh, I, I thought the cover was cool, too. I thought the cover almost – they made it almost mixtape-like. Like, it looked like they are about to drop a hot mixtape, like the way that they're sitting there and posing, like kind of hunched over, sitting down. I liked Tom it, man. Tom plays the saxophone. <laughs> look, look, we could talk about Tom Brady, who he is, and who he's been his whole career, blah, 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 how he's won, good luck, and so on and so on. But Tom Brady is a pretty good personality. He's he's, he's a witty guy. He's very he's good. good on Twitter. He's good on social media. Like, you say what you want about him. I, it, it's it's really painful to say, but I've kind of grown to like him as the years have gone on, his personality-wise. I don't like him on the field. He's a whiny bitch. But at the <laughs> same time, like, I've, I've grown to like his personality off the field. And I and I, I do like that he has, he, he has a good relationship with Patrick Mahomes. And the coolest part of it is these are the two quarterbacks that met in the Super Bowl just past Super Bowl. And they just so happen to be the, you know, the, the quote-unquote two goats, and people are already claiming that. I love that my quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs is being proclaimed as the other, the other opposing goat up there with Tom Brady, the most accomplished athlete of all time. And my quarterback's up there right now. My quarterback's ready to take that, that reign and be that guy for the next decade and a half, decade plus. I'm I'm just happy that my quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, being a Chiefs fan as long as I've been my entire life, waiting for our moment, and we have all the recognition, we have all the publicity. That's our guy on the cover of Madden already twice. I, I honestly, I mean, I loved it. I watched the videos, behind the scenes stuff of it. It was it was just cool to see the camaraderie between you know, like I said, the most accomplished quarterback of all time, and to me, the most talented quarterback of all time. I just time. hate the, the only thing I I hated from it, and we can move on after this is I just hated the fact that there's like no there's no secrets anymore. Like whenever like we see like a hint of something, it always gets leaked. It's just yeah. kind of like it's anticlimactic because we already knew it was gonna happen. That's social media, though. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of sucks. Like I remember back it when we were kids, is, like. We were like, oh my God, no what's going to happen? Now yeah. it's like there's no suspense because nothing's sacred. And no one, everybody just wants to be first. You know yeah. what I mean? So that was just kind of annoying. I enjoyed Overall, it. Cool. I enjoyed it. That's what I, I, love, I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. It's having, like you guys said, our quarterback's on there, man. That's our guy. Like, it's the most accomplished, most successful quarterback of all time. Yeah. Uh, arguably the, the GOAT. Sure. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, who could potentially be even greater than the the guy that he's next to, you know what the I mean? Most talented, I, I believe, in my mind. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. but I'm saying like successful wise throughout his career. He's pacing. Yeah, he could be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to have those two people in the mm-hmm. same covers, to me, it's kind of like uh, Madden kind of did a, a a passing of the torch. Mm-hmm. Torch. Yeah. yeah that's what what it like. That's why I like. Since it. they want to keep coughing out the same fucking video game, they might as well just keep putting the same guys on the damn cover. So. We'll leave it there. That was, a, that was a great Eddie hour, Eddie. We appreciate that. Every single week, man, you always have great questions. But now we got to get to more questions because you guys in the Monday Mailbag have been giving us great questions since we began this shit. So let's get right to the Monday Mailbag. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. 
It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you, the listening audience, an opportunity to take over the show for an entire segment. Whatever it is you guys are burning on in the world of sports, we give you this platform so you can tell us and we respond as best and as honestly as we can. Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag this week? All right, first question comes from Donnie Couch. Hey, guys, and discount Michael Pena. Oh, I like that. Michael <laughs> I like Michael Pena. Nice. I like that uh, Cesar Chavez movie. Yeah, oh, he's, he's a great actor. He's a good actor. Yeah, the yeah. Barista's really great. <laughs> yeah. that, it was End of Watch. End of watch. Yeah. The Barista's great. Classic, <laughs> that movie was phenomenal. Was heartbreaking. God. How was your guys' week? Sucked, man. We're just glad to be. I feel like I say that every week, but honestly, this the week white people rough, are melting. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I look like a stick of butter with a beard, dude. It's bad. It's so bad. Oh, stick of butter. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're good, man. We're glad to be here. Thanks for asking, Donnie. Yeah. I hope you're doing well, bro. Well, Lance is glad to be here. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are rumored to be in the in the DeMar De, uh, DeRozan sweepstakes. Do you think he would be a good fit with the team? I yep. think he would uh, because of his underrated facilitation on the court. Oh, he'd be an awesome fit. I mean, it's... you're talking about a guy. He's in that Tobias Harris um, uh, tier where he's not, never been great, but he's always been really good. He's in that like second, third tier. I'm just saying in that same he, tier. Yeah. He's in that same tier where a guy that can rack it up, give you 25, uh, you know, four, four or five assists if, on his best night. He's, That's one best, the, he's one of the best scorers in the it, league in yeah, the last 10 years. Yeah, he can his own shot. He's a, he is a solid facilitator. His footwork's incredible. The best part is he – I feel – I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I feel like the league is going to slowly transition back to where you start having these mid-range shooters again. I know three-pointers will always be there, and you're always going to be shooting a ton of threes, but you're starting to see a little bit of a rebellion, if you will, where a lot of guys like KD and CP3 and a lot of – DeMar Rosen. Kawhi Leonard, they shoot a lot of mid-range. DeMar DeRozan would bring that to this Lakers team, and that's what they need is a guy that can create their own shot, rack it up, take some facilitation responsibilities away from LeBron James, especially during the regular season. And I believe he's only 30 or 31, so he's still got a little youth left to him. And of the fact that he's never won anything, he saw his Raptors team that he played eight years with. Still in the prime of his career. Yeah, he saw when he got traded to the Spurs that very next season – the Raptors win a, a damn ring, so he never got that opportunity. That'd be a big motivating factor mm. for him. He's, He's from, from Los Angeles, yes. It, it, to me, there is really no negatives from it. So if they can pull it off. They they should absolutely pull it off. I think I think it's I think it's a, a, be a great a great signing if the if the Lakers were able to pull that off, which is very realistic that they could. Um, I think he's. A, outside of the unrealistic idea pipe dream that would be Damian Lillard or a Steph Curry. Um, or even a Bradley Beal. Outside of those three guys, I think he's the perfect fit because he not only can create his own shot, he can facilitate. He's a very well-structured player. Isn't like a hot-headed guy that's going to get a bunch of tees. You know, he's a very coachable guy. Would fit with LeBron's scheme, the way LeBron runs his offenses very, very well. Um, and he's a very, maybe the best mid-range. Him and CP3, guys like that that are, you know, uh, uh, D book obviously as well. Best mid range, we one of the best mid range shooters in this game. Um, has a very good turnaround fadeaway mid range jumper. Very reliable scorer. Um, one of the best scores uh, in the in the bat in, in the past decade. He's tops and one of the best consistent scorers in the past ten years in the entire league. Um, so I think yeah, I mean I think the motivation going home for 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 tomorrow would be huge. Um, I think I think he's a great it would be. I think they would immediately be the best team in the West if they weren't already like I, th- I thought they were this past season outside of the injuries and the, the, just how everyone performed in the playoffs overall, just the fatigue set in and everything. But having a fresh offseason, DeMar joining the team would be a, a massive motivation not only for himself but for LeBron, for AD, the coaching staff, the other players, whoever remains. 
I think that's a great acquisition, and I think I think it's very possible that that happens. All right, next question, Donnie Couch. Who is the biggest name uh, who will get traded this upcoming NBA season offseason? I think Cat will get moved this offseason. You know, it's going to really hinge upon what Damian Lillard wants. I think if Damian Lillard, and unfortunately he's so loyal, and I hate that about him, and I, I love it about him as well as a human, but also as a player, I want to see him succeed. He's never going to succeed in Portland. They can't get free agents up there. So it's going to really hinge upon Damian. If Damian does ask, if he goes to the Blazers and says, look, I've given you guys nine seasons. I, I, I want to win, and I don't feel like I can do that. I've given you guys everything. I'm in my 30s now. I'd like an opportunity. Can you guys trade me? I would like to go to a contender. If that happens, without question, he's the number one how, name. How many years does he have left on his contract? Three. Three. So they got a lot of control. They can they can play hardball with him. I don't think the Blazers would, though. I do think they have a very good relationship, and they want to continue to have good faith with future players. And I feel the best way of doing that is having a good end with Damian Lillard and sending him off in a good way, and that's good optics for them as a franchise. It would suck for them because you can't replace Damian Williams or Damian, Damian Lillard. He's a top 10 player in the league. Yeah. So um, I think if that happens, he is without question the big name. But I do I, – I am interested with the whole cat thing because of the fact that also – there's a lot of influx with the Timberwolves as a whole. Alex Rodriguez is now a, a minor owner, a, 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 yeah, minor owner of the team. He wants to move them back to Seattle. Seattle's a big focus. I think there's a lot of moving moving parts. And Rebranding. I think, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, um, you know Anthony Edwards is the focus of building around now. He's the franchise player. Cat's still an awesome player. He's only like 25, 26 years old. Still one of the most old. versatile bigs in the game. Uh, yeah, there's gonna be a contender. Yeah. They're gonna be very interested. I could even see uh, uh, the Celtics trying to trade for Cat. I think that'd be a great pickup for them because they need size. Bringing Horford back and having Cat there would be awesome or, for them. Or if Atlanta ends up moving on from John Collins, there, yeah. See, there's a lot of moving parts. So this is too. this is a great opportunity. Like I feel like Pandora's box. Because imagine imagine the shifting in the league if Damian Lillard was to go to Boston. You know, if they were, or, you know, or, or, a, or a Philadelphia trades Ben Simmons and package deals him, and, and you see be, Damian with Joel Embiid. Like, yeah. if that happens, the league is it completely shifts yeah. because then you have the East with all these freaking stars over there with Giannis and Katie and Harden and Kyrie and and Embiid and Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum. Like, it's a list goes on. You have all these young dudes and they're in their primes in the East. It would completely tilt the scales on the eastern side of things. I would, I would be all for it. So I'm, what I'm hoping for to answer the question in the most roundabout way, I want chaos. I yeah. want to see some big names move in this offseason. I want to see Bradley Beal get traded. I want to see Russell Westbrook get traded. That'd be so cool to see these guys just fall all over. Luca, the- yeah, you can see if yeah, right. I would love to see these uh these these moving parts happen, man. I think it'd be a lot of fun for this offseason. And the NBA is always looking for entry to compete with the NFL because the NFL is a 24-hour, 12-month-a-year type of uh, league. The NBA wants to be that as well, and I think that it, a type of offseason like that would definitely help that. Yeah, I mean, as far as big moves, I think it just we need to wait and see who actually wins the championship this year, and then wait for Katie to join them, right? Because I think that's what <laughs> I think that's what we're all waiting on. I think. Um, you know, I think we just need to wait to figure out who 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 the next team he's going to jump to. You know, because that's that's the trend. Um, no, but in all in all seriousness, I I think Damian Lillard is on his way. I think this is his breaking point. I think with the, you know, him not I him. I think Jason Kidd turning down the, even the possibility of being that coach, and he personally handpicked him, wanted him to be the guy, and he said, nah. You know, I no no one wants to go to Portland, man. Not even Jason Kidd to be a head coach. When if Damian Lillard wanted him to, and Jason Kidd really wanted to, Jason Kidd would be the head coach of the team already. He would. That's that's how much power Damian Lillard has in Portland. And Jason Kidd just straight up said, "Nah, I'm going to stay as a backup assistant coach here in LA." 
you know, or where, you know, it's a big fun market and he gets to, you know, coach and have fun with LeBron and AD. So, I mean, that, that I, I don't blame him there. No one, stars in this team, in this league, other coaches in this league don't really want to go play, go into Portland. It's just not a good market. And it's, it, it has similar vibes to how Cleveland was in the early years of LeBron. You know, LeBron had no reason to go back there other than to fulfill a promise. And he fucking did it. I just don't see Damian Lillard and this team is probably going to be as good outside of them landing another star, which is not likely. I don't see I don't see Portland landing any big names. So I think this Portland team is as good as it's going to get. It's been fun. It's been entertaining. It's they've, been course. A, they've been a good offense, but I mean they've had good pieces. I just don't think they could put it together. I, don't, I just not that Dame's not a good leader. Is not a good alpha. He absolutely is. But I think he needs to go join another team that has has already some some kind of nucleus already set in place where he can be the icing on top of it. I think that would be more ideal for him for, than for him to bear the majority of the load and being in a, in a, in a franchise that's just never going to grow and be a big-time market. It's just never going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cat would be a good – I think Cat could go anywhere. And there's a lot of destinations that Carl Anthony Towns can end up and, and make the team ultimately that much better. He's very – granted, he's had some injury issues. Um, but I think him, Dame – DeMar DeRozan obviously would be a good move. Uh, he could go anywhere and make a team better too. Um, see what happens with the Warriors. I mean, Steph and Clay both could get moved. Uh, Draymond's already been rumored to, to be joining other teams. Other teams have been, you know, on the phone trying to, you know, tamper him and get him to move somewhere because he's still a very viable uh, defender and would help a team, you know, be that much better defensively. So I think there's going to be a lot of chaos. I think there's going to be a lot of moves. Uh, the, the last few years off seasons for the NBA has been that way, and it's fun. Uh, it's fun seeing stars move around. Not even just stars, but good players move around and make other teams better and see who's going to land where, how that fit works. You know, the Nets of this past offseason, <laughs> they stockpiling, you know, all-star players and star players in this league. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be movement in the NBA, big-name guys. So, yeah, I think Damian Lillard tops my list of the big names that I expect to move because I do – I think – I think he's reached his point. And I, I don't think he wants to go through another year of what he went through this year, getting bounced early and barely making it to, to uh, having, you know, chomping in the bit just to get a, maybe an appearance in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he wants to do that again. So I think he wants to win, win instead of being a faux winner. So I think <clears throat> Damian Lillard tops my list. Okay. Steph Curry going to Portland watch. Oh, Jesus. He'll never do that. We're drug test Eddie directly <laughs> after the show. <laughs> Jesus, that'd be horrible. Uh, Donnie Cavett's last question. Uh, what do you guys think Stefan Gilmore ends up this season if the Patriots decide to move on from him? I have no idea. Uh, because of the fact that I don't really know – I don't even know what player Gilmore is at this point. He had a really bad 2020 season with injuries. Uh, he wasn't at the top of his game. He's in his, he's, I thir- he'll be 32 this season, if I'm not mistaken, 31 or 32. And cornerbacks usually age pretty bad. So I don't really know. I guess my biggest concern would be just what are you going to get out of Stefan and who's really going to be trading for him? If you notice the league as a whole, as you've seen Brashad Breland was sitting out there in the market. And Brashad's been a better player over the last year than Stefan Gilmore, as crazy as that sounds. That's actually – that actually is the truth, yeah. So I expect him to be – I expect him to be a cornerback one no matter where he's at. But I don't, I don't think there's going to be this big-time contender that's going to go for him. I think you're going to see a young, up-and-coming team like the Cardinals maybe try to trade for him on the NFC side. I can see that making a lot of sense. Since they lost Patrick Peterson and you have Buda Baker there already as a safety, you maybe want to pair him up and try to move Gilmore maybe as a free safety You know, as he you know prolongs his career maybe. I can see that. I think the Patriots are going to try to fleece a team. But I think the league is starting to catch up with the Patriots a little bit now that there's not this pristine leverage that they hold over the rest of the league. You're not seeing them make any 
these big deals. They're going out there and, and, and signing guys in free agency, but that's because they're compensating for the lack of dynasty runs they're having now over the last couple of years. So I don't expect Stefan Gilmore to get moved to a great team, yeah. but I can see maybe a, a middling team, like I said, that's on the brink of making the playoffs and being a good team like the Cardinals. So I, I guess I'll go with the Cardinals at this point. Yeah, the Cardinals makes a lot of sense. I can see the Bills maybe trying to like go way over the top to try to compete with the Chiefs and add another defensive player if they can find it in their books to maybe add him um, to that already pretty good cornerback crew they have over there. Um, you know, because I mean, any team in the AFC I think would make a lot of sense. Just, but I it, it depends on where. I mean, cause I, like you said, I don't, I agree he's not going to be going. I don't think he's in the in reality going to land on a team that's a contender. I think he's going to land wherever he gets paid good. Um, He's he's been a great player his, his, in his career statistically, but he's kind of on his decline, I believe, in my mind. Um, and and the shelf life for corner elite cornerbacks isn't very long, right? They have a you know a handful of really really good years. Typically, they don't age well. Um, so I don't think anyone's really going to overspend to bring him in. Granted, he's been a part of a great system that also as we've seen guys lead the Patriots system and then completely fizzle out. Maybe seen that offensive players and defensive players. It's the coaching is so elite over there. You know, it's been it's Unless been Tom Brady. Uh, well, I mean, let's not act like Tom Brady didn't go to another stacked Unless roster. Tom Brady, but Jesus. um, yeah, I mean, I I'm I don't know. The bait. I don't know where he's gonna go, but I don't really care too much to be honest. Tom Brady the goat. All right. Uh, next question comes from Shaggy Shane. Uh, I appreciate you always answering my questions. And last week you brought up some great points to my question about Tyra Matthews tweets and Tim Grunhardt of 810 WHB saying that Juan Hill is his successor and that the Honey Badger won't get extended. But you did not answer my question. So let's try this again. Take two. If Tyra Matthew and his contract is not extended in July or August, do you see that being a distraction with the team throughout the 2021 season? No, because the the contract's going to happen. Um, I I want to I want to put this out here as carefully as I can. There is zero worry in my mind to this point that that is going to happen. So not to not to dive around the question, but I I guess I'll entertain the question. If if I didn't have a strong sense that it was going to happen, I would be concerned. But see, the Chiefs are the type of team that whenever something is said, you have to take it seriously because they're not a team that really likes to bask in drama. They don't like to be a team that's at the center of attention outside of success or doing something on the field that's positive. So whenever Andy Reid or the Chiefs or Tyron Matthew himself speak out on something about something like this in particular, you know it's real. And all sides are indicating that this is going to happen. They want him – I mean, Patrick Mahomes gets whatever he wants. We just got done talking about that, right? Patrick Mahomes has has stated and been very vocal about this. that He wants Tyron Matthew to be here as long as he is. Now, that's not going to happen, but that says something about what what Patrick Mahomes knows Tyron Matthew to be, and that is to be a general on the other side of the field. What Pat wants, Pat gets. What have I said, guys? Patrick Mahomes is the one that's creating Chiefs history, but Tyron Matthew is the one that changed the Chiefs culture. He brought something that we haven't had here in two-plus decades, and that was a tough, gritty, fuck-you type of mentality on the defensive side of things. That's what Tyron Matthew brings. The Chiefs know that. Not to mention the fact he's still an all-pro. The best slot corner slash, slash safety in the entire league, and it's not close. So Tyron Matthew, it's a common-sense move. It's going to happen. He's going to be here for the foreseeable future. I would be shocked at this point if Tyron Matthew doesn't retire a Chief, and he's 100% making the ring of honor. So to answer that question as much as I can, Shaggy, it's going to happen. But if it didn't, I'd be very concerned because I feel the Chiefs would be definitely missing the boat on an opportunity to lock up the guy that's just as important on the defensive side as Patrick Mahomes is on 
the offensive side. Yeah, I feel the same way about the situation that I did when the Chris Jones scenario was going on. Whether we were going to keep him around, what we were going to do, was there tension between both parties? Are they communicating? Are they not communicating? We're not hearing anything. This is kind of how the Chiefs operate, man. Brett Veach, Brett, when Brett Veach handpicks guys, and Chris Jones wasn't even a handpicked guy by Brett Veach, right? And they still figured out a way to keep him around because they know he's a massive part of the culture here. Yeah. And who is even more of a massive part of the culture? Who is the culture of this defense? It's Tyron Matthew. He's the one that completely altered this defense and altered the, the mindset of every single player in that locker room defensively. He's the one that changed the literally by himself changed the culture of this defense and got us over the hump and helped us lead us to victory and, and, and win the ultimate goal in the Super Bowl. So in my mind, it's it's a no brainer. This is gonna get done. It's just a matter of when and 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 we can we you know we can continue to talk about it. I think we 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 stress over it a lot more than what's going on behind the scenes. Personally, that's just what I feel. Um, but I trust Brett Breach to keep keep this 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 nucleus intact. Um, I think he understands just as much, if not more, than we do as fans that how important Tyra Matthew is to this team, to this roster. Um, us being without Tyra Matthew this season would be an absolute heartbreaking event heading into this next season. And I think we all know what his purpose is and what he, what Tyron intends to do and what the Chiefs intend to do. And they, they both intend to be together again this next year in the foreseeable future, in my mind, for the next few years, I believe. I think we're going to lock him down for another at least three more seasons. Um and I think it's going to get taken care of. We can talk about the hypothetical of, you know, is it is it is it going to be detrimental? Is it going to be a massive distraction if it doesn't get done? Possibly, but I don't believe that's going to be the scenario. I think he's going to get signed before the season starts. He's going to be extended before the season starts. And everything's going to be honky-dory, and he's going to be out there, you know, being his normal, loud-ass self, even louder than he is on Twitter, and I'm looking forward to it. He's going to get traded. <laughs> I'm not taking the bait, Eddie. I'm not doing it tonight. Nah, me neither. I, I already know it's, it's not reality. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Billy Hall. I do appreciate the effort, though, Eddie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so controversial. Billy, uh, <laughs> You're so edgy. You're just so edgy, Eddie. Edgy, Eddie. Edgy Ortiz. Edgy Ortiz. <laughs> <laughs> we just created something. Edgy Ortiz. You think you know me. <laughs> is, this, is this question from Eddie or is it from Edgy? Is it from Edgy? You went from Eddie to Edgy or Ortiz. Get you some leather slacks, bro. That's <laughs> the guy so, from uh, what's like Essence Chat. There you go. <laughs> so Edgy over the here. The guy from Grandma's Boy. <laughs> so long, turd nuggets. <laughs> You're fucking weird. All right, next question, uh, Billy Hodge. Here's my question for you guys and Eddie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you got your name in there, Eddie. Um, We're just the other guys. I yeah. like that. Uh, I don't feel comfortable with our receiving core outside of Hill and Kelsey. Do you think Beach will find a solid number two? If fans think D-Rob or Harmon are a true number two wide receiver, I think they are wrong, but this is my opinion. I I don't want to speak for the Chiefs because I, I, they're always aggressive. I think, though, on the offensive side, the Chiefs have pretty much made their moves. Um, I, I think they have a lot of confidence in Cornell Powell. I don't want to put a lot of expectation on him, but the confidence is definitely there because, I've, as I've told you a hundred times, this is about a season of a rookie wide receivers you could ever get transitioning from playing with Trevor Lawrence and Clemson to Patrick Mahomes. Being 24 years old in his rookie year, he, this guy's going to know what to bring and how to bring it. Also, the fact that Noah Gray is getting raving reviews in camp, I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to quickly transition to being a legitimate offensive option. I don't want to say a threat yet, but an option. Yes, definitely going to be adding to the 12 personnel for sure. Um, so I, I get it. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I do agree that outside of – Tyreek Hill, there isn't a lot of uh, confidence coming out of the wide receiving core. But here's the beautiful thing about this Chiefs team. 
is the fact that they they have guys that play different positions that are utilized as wide receivers. Case in point, Travis Kelsey. He's not a legitimate. He he isn't used as the traditional style tight end. He is more of a wide receiver of yeah. sorts. So you really have two elite receivers, if we're being honest. So you can have it much worse than what the Chiefs have right now. Even if by the depth chart the Chiefs don't have a great list of wide receivers, if you really look at it across the league, they actually have it pretty damn well because you're talking about oh damn, we only have one elite wide receiver. Most teams have none. So the Chiefs are going to be just fine. Along with the fact they're going to be utilizing Clyde a lot more out of the backfield and passing game. You're going to see. I am expecting McCole Hardman to be motivated this season and prove his worth. So that's that's where I'm going to be at. So although I share your sentiment and your concern, I'm not overly concerned because I think this Chiefs team is going to get the shit done. Yeah, like, I 100% agree with you. Like it's We already have two elite receivers. Most teams don't even have one. It's hard to find elite receivers in this league, and we have two. And one of them happens to be a player of the tight end position, but like you said, he's more of a receiver than anything. Um, and the, the raving reviews of Noah Gray – continues to confirm my confidence in him and what I think he what I thought he was going to be and I think we're going to see I think we're going to see a slightly different offense this year I think we're going to see a lot more two tight end sets I think we're going to see a lot more passing to the running backs that's which is why I think Clyde's going to lead the league in receiving yards at running backs this year even over Christian McCaffrey um, I'm expecting a big year from the running backs receiving wise this year I think our offense is going to be it's going to feel like a lot of classical west coast but a lot of two tight end sets mixed in there. I think we're going to see a lot of Noah Gray out there receiving too. Um, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, this really good O-line with the two tight end sets. I think Pat's going to have time to make plays. Yeah. Um, I, I, we're going to see a very creative offense this year. I'm Be- super excited. Because about you it. have to also think about this, guys. It isn't just about the 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 weapons that Patrick Mahomes is going to have. It's it's the development of Patrick Mahomes as well because he's not even in yeah, his who's prime yet. The ball matters, and the, the fact that he's going to have that much more time, like you alluded to, yeah. he's going to have that much more time in that pocket with a clean, great, elite offensive line. Well, we've seen we've seen Pat go off with Albert Wilson, right? You know what I mean? Who knows his first crack at paid. playing the NFL? Got him paid. Went off. Right, so I mean, and I there have been reports about McCole Hartman looking looking much improved. I sure too. hope, man. Yeah, I do too. I mean, shit, that only helps us, you know. So I I I'm a big McCole fan too. I want to see the kid succeed. I just want to see him become a better route runner. And that's it. He's got the he's got the intangibles. He's got speed. He's got he's very good with the ball in his hands. Yeah, yeah. He knows how to hit the home run. He's just got to hit the right routes and get and figure out his points and be on time with his routes with Pat. That was the biggest thing. Him and Demarcus Robinson both have that same problem. Their timing is always off. Yeah, but the thing. I guess the biggest difference that uh, Michael Harvin doesn't backtrack where he catches the ball. God. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, no, he just t- runs the wrong route. If we're, if we're yeah. being honest here, Tyreek probably does it more than anybody on this team. Tyreek yeah, does when it you're, when you're as fast as a bunny. Right. Yeah. There is an outlier because Tyreek can get away with it most of the time. Demarcus Robinson typically can't because he's not one. He's not small enough to like be that guy that can duck, yeah. get underneath tackles, and you know evade evade guys like that. Tyreek's so small and fast, it makes him tough to tackle. And keep up with every pass he catches. He back like yeah. he comes back like five yards at least. Right, and I like, that, I, th- I do, and I, and I think Powell could be a sleeper guy too. I think both of them are, are. I think Noah Gray and Powell can definitely be contributors this year, and I hope so. I mean, that's the that's why we draft guys, you know. And I, it'd be nice to see us draft some, see us draft some offensive weapons that go out there. And I know. Clyde had the so so. He had a, a very good year last year, but it was riddled by injuries towards the end. So it would be cool to see Clyde go off this year and see Noah Gray get some action his first year in and then see Powell become possibly the third receiver on this team, hopefully. That's what I'm hoping so because I like him a lot, and he's already a seasoned guy. So I'd be excited about this offense. All I'm going to say this year is this offense is going to be fireworks. Just get ready for it. All right, last question comes from uh, Shaggy Shane. Um, if the Chiefs really wanted to address adding veteran depth, it would have been this week for the final week of minicamp. 
excuse me, it is safe to say that any free agent cornerback that is signed from this day forward can't be any better than the free agent signing of cornerback Orlando Skandrick in July of 2018. That signing was out of total desperation, proving that the Chiefs had no depth nor immediate plans of replacing Marcus Peters, who was traded in, in early March. If the Chiefs seriously felt that the Justin Houston, Richard Sherman, or uh, Melvin Ingram were important to the team, then they would have signed today because the next time Chiefs gather as a team is in training camp in St. Joe. Are you completely comfortable with this current squad going into training camp? Current squad is in the cornerbacks I'm assuming he's talking about. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% confident in this defense. And look, we talked about this before the show, and, and I stand firmly in this. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. Um, I understand the concern about the lack of, co- of cornerback depth, the fact that there is not a single cornerback on this team that is un- over the age of 25, so there's a lot of inexperience. But the Chiefs obviously have a ton of confidence in Legereus Sneed, or Lord Jarius Sneed, as we say in these regions. Um, they have a lot of confidence that he is going to be a CB1, a legitimate CB1. He showed that in the nine games he played last season. But the fact he only played nine games is a cause for concern. Um, and, I, and I do think that there is going to be a guy or two that they do add to the the the, the equation. But you got to remember, and I know Shaggy knows this even better than I have because he's been around longer. They do still add guys to the to, to training camp, and that's why they're called camp bodies or jags. But a lot of times we see guys end up becoming very promising figures out of that situation. Guys that are motivated and talented just haven't gotten a legitimate shot. This is the NFL every single year. We see these guys come out of literally nowhere. Undrafted players, undrafted free agents end up shining. Shit, I mean, the Ward was one of those right. guys. Right, so, and, and obviously, like I said, the Chiefs are feeling confident. But here's the biggest thing we have to remember here, guys is the Chiefs are essentially playing with house money when it comes to the cornerback position. Not even because of the offense, but because of the defense. And what I mean by that is, look at the front seven and how stout the Chiefs made it. You went and got Jared Reed this offseason, kept Derek Naughty in this situation that he's in. You're moving Chris Jones essentially to defensive end. You got Frank Clark essentially on a prove-it year. Prove year. Anthony Hitchens on a prove-it year. You have Nick Bolton. You have Willie Gay as these young, motivated outside linebackers. You have a stout front seven, but that isn't even it. The Chiefs also have elite, elite safety play. Entire Matthew, Juan Thornhill, and Dan Sorensen as a collective. Mm-hmm. It is one of the best safety groups in the entire NFL. All can play so, slot corner, too. So when you're talking about having one of the five to ten best front sevens and one of the five best safety cores in the league, all of a sudden the cornerback situation doesn't seem so dim and so gloom and doom and gloom because they don't have to be great. All they have to do is just man. All they can do is play man coverage. If they can just hold a man and let the rest of the defense do their job, this defense is going to be a top 10 to 15 defense in the league again. And if you're giving Patrick Mahomes with this type of offense a top 10 to 15 defense, they're getting to the Super Bowl again, guys. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100% on board with that. I, I'm, I'm confident. Look, man, I have, I'm have. i not going to be the guy that doubts the coaching staff here so far, the guy that the guy that doubts Brett Beach and, and his, his ability to know what, what talent is where where to accumulate talent and you know how to disperse the talent as far as their defensive roster goes. I I do personally, and this is why and I told you guys going into draft time, I wanted to draft a corner or a corner, you know, some kind of DB, a versatile DB. We didn't do that. Um, I wanted one, but we do have versatile safety play, like you alluded to, and you know I, I trust and I, I do think we will bring some other guys in to fight, you know, for the position because I don't outside of Legarius Need, I don't know who we really got. I mean, Traverius Ward. Maybe can have a bounce back here, and, and possibly you know maybe have a, a you know a, a revamping or a, a rem- something reminiscent of his first year because he was fairly productive his first year. Um, 
I wanted to bring back Rashad, but that didn't happen. Um, a little confusing there, to be honest, but I don't know what happened with that. But I do, you know, I, we still have Rashad Fenton, who I like too. Uh, a lot of people forget about Rashad Fenton. Yeah, he's played well when he's been out there. So I'm confident in it, and uh, I think I think we'll be in good hands, to be honest. That was a great mailbag, guys. We really appreciate it. We do this each and every week, man. Don't be afraid to hit us up. If you're new and you're, you don't you don't know to ask, just ask away. Whatever you want to talk about in the world of sports. It does not have to be cheese-related. It doesn't have to be about anything in Kansas City. I mean, hell, Eddie's here to inbound a couple F1 questions or some soccer questions. We take it all. FGRT. We got one more order of business to get to, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> Le him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. What we do each and every week to finish each and every episode up. We give out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. I promise you, though, whoever is holding the L for us this week, those motherfuckers deserve it. Eddie Ortiz. Edgy Ortiz. Mr. Yo, yo, yo. Who is holding the L for you this week? And is it F1? It's not F1. And I actually have a W this week. All right. Hell yeah. W this week. Um, I don't know if uh, you guys have been paying attention to... uh, Soccer news around the world. Uh, obviously, the Euro, uh, the Euro 2020 is going on in Europe. And something pretty intense and dramatic and whatever you can say happened earlier this week with uh, Christian Eriksen from Denmark. Yeah. Um, Scary, man. Dying. Literally flatlining. Yeah. yeah he died on the, on the field. Um, was fucking. It was just heartbreaking and cr- just crazy to see. Everybody was in shock. It, it, nobody knew like how to react or anything. But I want to give this W to those doctors, to to that staff, mm-hmm. to uh, to the players who uh, knew immediately something was wrong and called the doctors. The doctors sprinted to Erickson. Um, they formed a circle around Erickson while they were doing CPR. Yeah. Uh, kind of keep the cameras off. I guess you can go uh, and, and give an L to that, and I'll explain later. Uh, but, yeah, they blocked off the the cameras from from, from Erickson. Uh, doctors came in, rushed with the de- defibrillator. I don't know how to say yeah. it. but uh, And then they brought him back with, with the first try, with the first attempt. And all this was in a matter of two and a half, three minutes. So the the, the great response from the doctors is, is what 
deserves all the praise here. Uh, they they did not panic. They they self composed themselves. They 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 did everything step by step like they were taught to do in their school. Uh, that's why they practice what they do. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was it was it was just heartbreaking, hard to see. Uh, something you never think you would see uh, during a game or anything. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a W to those fans as well. Um, that when they took Christian Erickson uh, to the hospital. Uh, the game was obviously suspended for a few hours, uh, but in the meantime, uh, the Finland and Denmark fans uh, were chanting his name. So uh, Finland was uh, chanting Christian, and then Denmark was chanting uh, Ericsson. It, it was very, That's very powerful. It was very poetic. It, it, it was, it, it was something like you would you would think you would only see in a movie. So yeah. it, it it was just heartbreaking, but. He's he's okay. He's he's doing well. He's alive. Uh, he actually got discharged from the hospital this morning, um, so he's back. He's back with his family. Did they figure out what it was? Uh, yeah. So he had a cardiac arrest. I know, but like, what? Does he have a condition? That no, caused no, no condition. Just a random. Twenty nine years old. Cardiac arrest. That is fucking scary. Yeah, dude. that's terrifying. Just, yeah, so I have an irregular heartbeat, so that that alone just gives me the the you know deepest creepers, bro. So like, yeah. that's crazy, man. Yeah, he, I guess uh, he was overworked. So, I don't know. Uh, the doctor, they were they asked the doctors like wh- like what happened immediately after you brought him back. So the doctor was like, well, the first thing, the first thing I asked him was was like, hey, are you with us? Yeah, that's pretty much what the doctor asked him. And then Christian Erickson, to what Christian Erickson responded is like, yes, I'm back with you guys. It's like, I'm that's only twenty, and, and he says I'm only twenty nine years old. Right. That was his response. It's like I'm back with you guys. I'm only 29 yeah, years old. Just reaching the prime of his life, a professional athlete. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, like I said, that's that crazy. Those doctors deserve absolutely all the praise in the saved world. Saved his life, man. Straight saved, saved his, his life. life. Acted quickly. Uh, the players, uh, the captain for Denmark, uh, how he reacted to that, uh, how obviously uh, Ericsson's wife was brought down to the field. Obviously, her husband being in that state that that he was, she was freaked out. She was freaking out. She was mm-hmm. crying uncontrollably. Uh, Denmark's captain went up to her and he, you know, he, he was able to calm her down and all that stuff. So, man, those players deserve so much, uh, so much for that. And, yeah, yeah. and then to come out and play a few couple hours after their pretty much their best friend died in yeah. front of them in yeah. the field, like on the field. Yeah, it, it, it's just crazy. And, and I guess, uh, like I was saying, the L, I guess you can give it to, uh, ESPN who had the, who had the main coverage. Obviously, they don't. They don't. They're not in control of the feed of what's being recorded, but they they do control and they have the power to cut mm. certain things and not air certain things because it, it it's going to their. You know, yeah, what you, mean? Don't, like, you don't want to air a live death. So yeah, what ESPN didn't do was cut the feed, so <clears throat> the feed was still being broadcasted, and therefore the players were ha- like the players had to circle Erickson because the cameras were zooming in. Yeah, that's on that on that whole situation. Think about his was, family, man. Yeah. So it was so disrespectful from from that from the feed. I, I'm not gonna blame ESPN on this alone because it, it it was the responsibility of every single the cameraman, the camera crew that was there filming that, like. Yeah. Us as fans, we don't need to see that. That's something that needs to be kind of like, like what have you guys ever seen? The, like when fans rush the pitch or yeah. the, the field and stuff like that. They in soccer, the cameras pan away. They don't yeah. show. They that. don't want to glorify that. Exactly. Same as NFL, they don't glorify that. 
but the guy dies and you want to keep the yeah. cameras on him it's like it was like almost like, like the, the cameraman were like personally curious like that's the story yeah. you know what i mean like oh that's the story right there yeah but all the cameramen like, have ear pierces and the ear pieces yeah. in the ear like you know so if someone's communicating that's what i'm saying yeah. so espn alone is not to blame on this it's, right. the, I think entire, it's, independent it's the entire broadcast yeah. it, it is the entire broadcast team because espn could have cut cut out of that yeah. and went into their like uh what they the do in the halftime show when they're yeah when they're in the halftime show they go into that table yeah. they could have done that but they waited till like the whole situation happened and all that stuff, and it was still recording. Yeah. They were still showing the feed. It, it was, if he didn't make it, that's a really that's bad a, look. Yeah, it's a bad look yeah. on ESPN because they, they can cut their own feed. Like they can cut that, and you know, granted, they. I mean, to give them the slight benefit of the doubt, they might not have known that it was as serious as it was. It could have been a guy that just passed out. They didn't know, you know, if he was actually flatlining yeah. and dying. So I mean, that's not very common. So at the same time, but yeah, at the same time, they they should they shouldn't been zooming in trying to get in there. You know, yeah. that's yeah, it's a bad it's, look. You knew it was something serious when he collapsed by himself, and yeah. not, not a you know what I mean. Yeah. You, that 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 moment, broadcasters should have known. It's so scary. It's like that's man. that's something serious. So I want to give out the W to all the all the doctors and all those that you know acted fans. accordingly and yep, yeah. fans and all that stuff and. And the LTSPN and that whole broadcast situation. Well, let's give, let's so, give one. So ESPN, ESPN do us, and the whole broadcast, do us a favor and hold this L. L. Trevor Tootle, who's holding the L for you this week? All right, so this past week we all know what happened with uh, with Kyrie Irving. Unfortunately, came down, you know, this happens pretty frequently in the league. You know, you, you jump up and you're, you're in a crowded paint in the NBA, playing basketball in general. I've done this many times myself just from playing recreationally. Um, you come down at somebody else's foot, you roll your ankle, sprain your ankle. It is what it is. It sucks. Sometimes you can play through it, and sometimes they're bad enough to where you can't. He came down with all of his weight, and he's literally his ankle bone touched the floor. So that was pretty bad. He could be out, you know, who knows, maybe the rest of the postseason. That's definitely a possibility, uh, depending if they make it that far or not. Um, but that's not the L. That's an unfortunate action that happens in the league, and it happens often um, in contact sports. I'm going to give this L to Glenn Baby Davis. Um I never liked the guy too much. I never thought much of him. He was always an afterthought, being uh, you know riding the coattails of one of the greatest big threes ever put together and assembled in the league. Um, you know, part of a, a Celtics dynasty that was built to to win championships, and they 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 got you know themselves one, and he was a part of that that crew. Um, a, a minuscule role player at best, but he decided to, you know, him obviously being so called, he self proclaimed a Celtic for life and all that this and that, but. This is what I'm just going to play this video real quick of what he had to say. He immediately he was already this at this point he was already catching flack on, and I'll get to his statement. But he was already catching flack for his statement of what he put out on Twitter. But this is the video in response to the heat he was getting. Yeah, I'm slobbing. 
I guess that's that's all you really that's all you really need to hear about that. Um, basically, he came out and was talking about because the series prior, Kyrie after defeating the Celtics in that series, and he absolutely balled out in the series. Um, you know, he got he got uh, some people want to tie it. And obviously, Kyrie obviously took it personally. You know, so be it. And he went and he he, he smudged his foot and slid it across the face of Lucky the logo for the Celtics. <laughs> uh, and Glenn Baby Davis apparently took it personally. As if he's some kind of all-time Celtic, um, um, but yeah. So I mean, listen, man. You guys heard the ignorance in that video. I don't really have to delve too much deeper into that. We all kind of know who he is at, at this point. Um, he's absolutely idiotic. No one cares about you, Glenn, da- Glenn Baby Davis. It's it's absolutely it was an absolutely trash take to begin with, and then it's very. I mean, you're cheering on an injury for a player that is at a caliber that you never even sniffed a jock of. So let's be careful. I mean, everyone has their opinions of Kyrie Irving and what he's done and said throughout his career, who he is as a person, so on, whatever. But to to to, to glorify the injury and to 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 just you know just smush it further down is at the at the level that it's already at, and you know kick someone when they're down, it's just a terrible look, you know, for you personally. So for that, Glenn Baby Davis is going to do me a big favor and hold this L. So the last 15 months have been pretty rough for all of us. Um, I don't want to get into the details for everybody because everyone has their own personal struggles, regardless of what's going on in the world. You know, on our own personal time, we have struggles we deal with. Um, but we all know that the pandemic has set things in motion that has caused us nothing but grief. And I think one of the biggest problems with the pandemic, if we're being honest here, is besides the obvious of, of what it's done and how many lives it's taken and how many families it's caused so much so much grief for is the ignorance that has followed it and people that have platforms are people that i feel like should have been the most careful with all this and that goes from across that goes across the board people that like we saw the actors when all this started really taking off last year making that stupid ass john lennon rendition that was just totally tone deaf and just dumb yeah just absolutely dumb so this goes across the board but it's also with the people that are still to this day combating the idea that getting the vaccine is not living your life. And the Bills are a team that we all know has been very vocal about, you know, you don't get the vaccine, you're not coming into the facility type of thing, which we all have stood on the side of you can't tell people what they can and can't put in their bodies or should and shouldn't put in their bodies. We've been very much on that side that even though we're all pro-vaccination, we also believe that you have the right to choose not to get it, even though we believe you should. Well, Bill's wide receiver, Cole Beasley, still is very much adamant that the new NFL protocols with COVID-19 are wrong and has, in fact, gone as far as to say that the NFL Players Association isn't doing enough for players. And he came out with this. Let me just read it for you guys. He came out with this statement today because he's been very vocal on his social media for the last couple of weeks in regards to this, but he came out with this today. I'm going to read it to you. Quote, hi, I'm Cole Beasley, and I'm not vaccinated. I will be outside doing what I do. I, I will I will be out in the public. Actually, you know what? Let me, uh, let me give you guys the actual full version because I have it in paraphrase. But because of the fact that this is so important to get to, I'm just going to go ahead and read you guys what his pen tweet is. Quote, look, or uh, yeah, look, I'm going... 
to live my life one life like one life like I want to regardless, everyone. Hi, I'm Cole Beasley, and I'm not vaccinated. I will be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in the public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated, point blank, period. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. I have family members whose days are numbered. If they want to come see me and stay at my house, then they are coming regardless of protocol. I don't play for the money anymore. My family has been taken care of. Find me if you want. My way of living and my values are more important to me than a dollar. I love my teammates and enjoy playing ball because of the outside BS goes out the window in these moments. I just want to win the Super Bowl and enjoy these relationships that will be created along the way. Along the way. Uh, yeah, and then he says, I'm not going to take meds for a leg that isn't broken. I'd rather take my chances with COVID and build up my immunity that isn't broken. I'd rather take my chances with COVID and build up my immunity that, that way. Eat better, drink water, exercise, and do what I think is necessary to be a healthy individual. That is my choice, in bold letters, based on my experiences and what I think is best. I'll play for free this year to live life how I've, lo- I've lived it from day one. If I'm forced into retirement, so be it. I've enjoyed the time I've had. I'll get to live freely with my wife, kids, and extended family forever. We get to enjoy the times we missed from the sacrifices we've had to make just so I could play this wonderful game. So either way, it's a win-win. That's where I stand. Thank you for everyone who's been supportive throughout this process. A lot of other NFL players hold my position as well, but aren't in the right place in their careers to be outspoken. Be so outspoken. I feel for you, and I'm hoping I'm doing my part to represent you guys well. Cole Beasley. Cole could have really just saved himself a lot of time and a lot of words by just simply getting a vaccine. (laughs) Because everything he just described is every reason why you get vaccinated. I I don't care if you agree or disagree with vaccines or not. I, I, I really don't right now. Just hear me out. That is the single reason why we get this vaccine. So we can go back to normalcy. He keeps saying, I I want this. I need this. It's for me. It's for my... You're not doing this just for you, Cole. That's pure solipsism. You're doing this for your team and for the teams you're facing, for the fans, for everybody you're coming in contact with, my dude. This is not just about you. And how ironic is it that every person that feels this way, and he's not alone, trust me, there are many people that feel this way, have the same ignorance stance on all of this they're looking at this as them trying to get their rights taken away it's the opposite of that i understand the cause for concern i'm not sitting here saying just blindly go and get whatever somebody tells you but how how stupid how hypocritical is it because i guarantee you the nutritionalists that tell cole beasley to take certain supplements or eat certain foods or get x amount of sleep he's listening to them because he wants to prolong his career because he takes pride in what he does. He's a good player. I guarantee you he wears a seatbelt. I guarantee you this guy does a lot of things in a precaution format because he's been told to. But for some damn reason, this continues to be a trend amongst the ignorant. And yes, I hate to say that, but I'm going to say it. It's ignorance, guys. I know most of you guys have heard this a hundred times. There's a reason why none of us in this generation have had to take polio vaccines. Because the people before us did. And the disease went away. That's how this shit goes away. That's how this stuff is dwindled. 
is we are responsible Americans, a responsible human being. It, it, it's, it's, so, it, it's so aggravating because I know that he has to be smarter than this. I know that Cole Beasley has to be a smarter person than this. But he's sitting here literally defending a stance that makes no sense. You are literally defending a stance that goes against what you truly want. Self-defeating. It's so self-defeating. Cole, get your head out of your ass. If you don't like, if you don't want a vaccine, cool, man. Then you're not going to play football. But if you really want to play football this season, get the vaccine, my dude. If that's something you really want, man, and it's something that you're willing to take on in order to continue your career, do it. I'm not going to tell you what to do as a man, but if I, as a football player, this is something you're probably going to have to do, my guy. So just accept it or walk away, and you have every right to do so. But don't sit here and bitch and piss on my shoes, man, and tell us and tell us what we're doing wrong or why we're wrong for wanting this from you when your own owner is saying these very same things, my dude. It's the- pure, it's pure solipsism. It's not being able to see past your own existence. It's not being able to acknowledge what is the better action for the betterment of the mankind as a whole, not just your pure individual existence. It's not. He's not. It's it's solipsism. That's the definition of solipsism. You're not able to see past your own existence. And this focus on the government, this and the government, that the government didn't come up with this vaccine, man. This is scientific. If you don't trust scientists, FDA approved. If you don't trust scientists, then don't listen to them across the board. These are people that are actual professionals. Have they gotten everything right? No. But science is nuanced, my guy. And if you want to continue your career, you're going to have to trust the science that we currently have, just like the rest of the league has, man. This is all about getting back to what we want. And if Cole Beasley wants normalcy, you have to go with what makes it normal again. And I love that he says that he he makes – this is what I'm saying. Back to my solipsism point. He was talking about how he's not playing for money anymore at this point. What about all the guys that still are? How about we get this real, Trevor? Oh, yeah. (laughs) How about about everyone else, dude? Jump off that ledge a little bit. Jump off that ledge a little bit. You guys know that over 70% of the NFL – almost 70% of the NFL is black, right? Right. African-American, right? African Americans have actually taken a bigger hit in COVID-related dr- uh, symptoms. Every any kind of uh, uh, health epidemic, it's always the the, the African American right. culture always takes the biggest hit. Right, and so naturally, naturally what Cole is actually, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but what he's right essentially down. done is told his his teammates as a whole, but let alone the black teammates, that I'm not concerned about your well-being. Yeah. I'm not concerned about it. Imagine, yeah, these guys that, that came from nothing to make in the league, and they're in there trying to play for their money, but yet you got this guy barking and talking about, I'm not playing for any money anymore, so I'm going to put everyone else at risk. Yeah. Help me. Solipsism. How selfish and is that? I, and like, I know regardless if you want to get this, the, the, the shot or not, yeah. that's the, there, the point. And there are going to be people that it's say, well, attitude, it's his choice. It's yes, it is. It is 100% his choice. Just like it is 100% the NFL and the Bills right. in particular is their choice to say, Cole, you can't play. They're a private-owned company. They're a privately owned, ran organization. They can tell you you can't. Do I agree with the idea that they're going to give him an ultimatum? No, because, again, I believe in human rights. But if you are really serious about playing football, this is going to have to be a step you take, my dude. So it sucks, but I I just I really wish that Cole Beasley would step outside of his own beliefs and his own viewpoint, like you said, and quit looking at this from a solidified or a solitude point of view and look at it from a broad spectrum of what it's caused everybody else and why it is imperative you do so, my guy. So 
I, I, I wanted to start this as kind of a lighthearted thing, but this is a very serious thing because actually I believe Cole. I believe he's not alone. There are guys that are afraid to talk about this because of the the, the time and stage of their career. He's a 31-year-old wide receiver. He's on his way out in the next few years. Yeah. So he doesn't really have a lot to lose. He's he's right about that. And I, I appreciate the bold nature that he has because I appreciate men that speak their minds and speak it clearly and give us what they want and tell us what they, what they feel. Yeah. But he's wrong, 100% wrong. And if he wants to play football again, he needs to get right. So in the meantime, I got a letter for you, my dude, Cole Beasley. Do me a solid and hold this L. All right. Whew. You guys zapped. It's been a fun, fun episode, but I am zapped. We're finally under 80 degrees in this house right now. So. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 our AC unit's gone out. It's been a fun thing in the studio tonight, man. But nevertheless, this has been a blast, dude. We always have so much fun, man, talking sports with you guys. And I, I, always, I wish this was a daily show. I really do, man. But we try to give you guys as much as we can in a, in a, in a one episode per week uh, format. I just, I'm so glad you guys enjoy this. And I, I love the feedback we get and the interactions we get. Keep pumping the Monday mailbag, guys. We really do appreciate that. It's definitely a lifeblood of this show. But in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, or Edgy Ortiz, as he has been now permanently uh, glossed on this show, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, for Clay Windler, the backbone of this show, our producer. We love and appreciate everything he does for this damn thing. I'm Lance Twidwell, the Spoken Podcast. Episode 121 is done. And until 122 peeps its beautiful face around the corner, be out of this bitch. Stay cool. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the Spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.